What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Stick around after the show. I got to tell you something, Mike. <laughs> we're going to start with football, just so you know. We're going to go football, basketball, basketball. So we're going to start with the, the preview. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So we are live again on another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Um, if you want, you can check out wiscoball.com backslash Wisco Fanatics. They have Wisco Fanatics t-shirts you can get there. They have... Um, they have a, a deal going through the entire month of November. It's 10% off of everything, 20% off if you buy two or more, and then it's 30% off if you buy three or more. It's something like that. He's got like a 10, 20, 30% off for the whole month of November. So if you want to get a Wisco yeah, Fanatic yeah. shirt, now might be the time to do it. Um, we are going to – we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, actually. We got Badger football preview against Maryland. Uh, we got our Badger basketball primer. Those two reasons are why we have Mike here with us again today. And then Jake and I have four Bucks basketball games to talk about. So we're going to jump right in. We're going to start with the Badgers versus Maryland preview. Um, looking at this, I, I'm really excited that Hunter Wohler uh, and Nick Herbig will be back. Um, I am still bummed that there is going to be no Chesma Lucy, but we're going to start with the Badgers offense. Um, Jake, what are you looking for from the Badgers off against, against Maryland's defense? Uh, there's a lot to digest here. Uh, Maryland is an overachieving team so far this season, in my opinion. Um, Badgers are underachieving, but it seems like the trends are going to change in this game, in my opinion. I feel like this is where Wisconsin starts their, their takeoff into kind of saving the season a little bit, I guess I'll, I'll phrase it as. But Badgers open this game as five-and-a-half-point favorites. That's a massive – I mean, five-and-a-half is not crazy, but that's massive for a 4-4 four, four team. Think about that. Um, hmm. Over-under, 52. So they expect a little bit of scoring in this game. Uh, Wisconsin offense has been, I'll say, up and down. Um, I'm not going to say anything negative, but they've definitely had their moments where it's kind of like, oh, okay, I did not see that coming. I did not expect DK to break a tackle and go 50-some yards, you know. Um, the last three games, 
So I was looking at third down percentage since we uh, let Leonard take over. And it's actually, it's surprisingly good. So the first game when Leonard took over against Northwestern, 10 of 14. Against Michigan State, 4 of 12. And then uh, their last game, they were 2 of 8, which brought us to a total of 16 for 34, which is a 47% success rate on third downs. That is that is good. If you can do 50%, 50% of the time you're on third down, you, you get a first down, so that's very good. And to Tyler's point about uh, no Malusi, I'll be honest with you, kind of on the Isaac Garendo train, dude. Yes. I'm kind of I'm on the train. I won't lie. I wasn't at first because I liked Malusi, but Isaac Garendo is he's different. Is he gives us a little bit? He gives us that other home run hitter that this offense was really. He's got the speed. To. Yeah, he's he finally took him about four years to get healthy. Now he's finally like looking really good for us, dude. Um, and he's got massive body control for a guy that is is as big as he is it's crazy his body control for how big he is and how fast he is but i'm on the isaac garendo train nothing against malusi i love malusi as well good pass catcher but um garendo is is something different so i'm looking for this offense to you know compete on the offensive line run the ball and let mertz cook baby dan said hi today and he actually put a comment on that we can share on the screen um, <clears throat> yeah, Isaac Arendo, he's got the speed and I think that's what makes him really enticing, especially as when you mentioned as a home run hitter, but, um, you bring up the Badgers third down conversion percentage in the last three games, Maryland is allowing 43.8% conversions on third down. So, you know, obviously the Badgers being a little bit higher than that, the Northwestern game kind of, um, inflates that a little bit, but, yeah. um, the Badgers on third down will be. Interesting to see how this game goes. But, Mike, what are you looking for from the Badgers' offense? Uh, Yeah, I think this is going to be a great opportunity for us to cook, so to speak, again. Um, Maryland, as kind of Jake said, a little, if you want to call it overachieving, yes. But, I mean, they're, they play tough against teams like Michigan, for example, this yep. year. They do have six wins. We should mm-hmm. not take them lightly. But, I mean, they're cool. giving up, you know, over 450 yards a game this year to- total on average. They're giving up 24 points a game. This is going to be another opportunity for Mertz to, to show what he can showcase as well. Um, but the number one thing I'm looking forward to seeing um, is the offensive line because now we have a, a 100. Riley Mallman, he's supposedly he's like 100%. He's ready to go. So what do you do with Trey Wedding? Do you move him to the inside or do you keep him out at right tackle? Because he hasn't been doing a bad, you know, job by any means. And he was and Malman when he was playing last game against Purdue, it was it was on like a pitch count, so to speak. So mm-hmm. I'm looking looking forward to seeing like what they do with like those two guys. Do, do they keep rotating him or do we, you know, go back to you know full time with Riley Malman, you know, at right tackle? Because <laughs> I do see that as a possibility. Trey White does have experience at both right guard and center too. So it's going to be kind of like a balancing act, but um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you got to have, you got to have your five best guys out there, so to speak. So um, probably take into account what's happened these past two weeks in practice. And um, yeah, it's fun. I'm glad you mentioned Isaac Garendo. He was one of my guys this year that I thought would uh, break out. And I'm just, I'm just really happy for him in general. He's finally starting to, put it together and i think it's a freaking dangerous combo with him and braylon allen's and mm-hmm. uh yeah he's both can house call man it's thunder mm-hmm. like, like i know like when chez was out you know i had no doubt in my mind that we could not be like counter 
productive. Like we were going to be like on the same, you know, pedestal, same expectation. Not going to lose a step from the from the running back room. So I'm I'm very happy for him what he's been doing lately. Uh, that nice breakout run against Purdue definitely uh, uh it made it made me smile a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good opportunity for our offense to put up some points on these dudes. I agree. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like um, first with Garendo too. Like I like that they use him as a wide receiver a little bit. They give him the opportunity to catch the ball and get you know you want to get the ball into the hands of your playmakers. So giving Isaac Garendo the opportunity to do that is only good things can come from that. Um, and then to your point about the Badgers having the opportunity to score some points in this game, Northwestern hit some big plays on Maryland last week in the run game and in the passing game. Uh, Maryland is certainly susceptible to the big plays. So um, the Badgers don't really have to change anything. Just keep slinging it out there. And like, like you guys said, just let Mertz cook. Um, it is, it's interesting. Um, Maryland gives up a lot of yards, but they don't give up a lot of yards per play, which kind of contradicts the fact that they've given up big plays, which it's, it's a really weird thing. They only allow 3.4 yards per carry and they only allow 6.5 yards per pass which is number 23 in college football. On the flip side, the Badgers are number 19 in yards per pass at eight and a half yards per pass. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. I do think the Badgers will be able to throw the ball around on Maryland a little bit. Um, And I got to say, I think, you know, to Jake's point about Jim Leonard um, and the offense kind of turning a corner, I think I've had more fun watching the Badgers offense in the last three weeks than I had in the previous five by a long shot. Oh, I don't know easily. if you guys agree with that or feel easily. the same way. Yes, more than all of last year, essentially. They have a rhythm. They have a rhythm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, and we talked about it in the, in the recap, too, the, the balance of it. Um, the Purdue game, it was 29, or 29 runs, 21 passes, and mixing the pass and the run up on the same drives was something that was big for me. Um, Mixing it up on the same drive, not just having a bunch of passes on one drive and a bunch of runs on the other drive. Mike, I wanted to ask you because I I brought it up to Jake and hammered on it a lot last week in the recap. Um, mm-hmm. Did you notice what happened on the touchdown to Kimmeray DK in the Purdue game? Okay, that was no you. I think you got refresh my memory. You got um, Graham Mertz making a pre-snap check to bring Kimmeray DK yeah. from the left side to the right side. That in our chat now. Now that you uh, um, brought that up, but no, you caught that. I think you because I didn't catch that when even when we were talking about. It, I'm like, geez, man. I'm like, no, I did not uh, catch that. That's a good point that you brought brought up there. I mean, it's it's great that he like knows you know the offense. He can read a def- defense better, obviously, than mm-hmm. years past. You're starting to see it with his improvement now, especially this year. So um, it's I'm, I'm glad you called that out. But yeah, it, it was a. Uh, you know, just watching that then on replay, it's like, oh, all right, our, our boy knows. He knows what's up. He's becoming a quarterback. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was going to say, too, like, who's beside, besides Russell Wilson, have we really had a legitimate threat of a quarterback who can get outside of the pocket and make, you know, big, big-time throws? Because I think that's Hurts' best attribute as a quarterback. Once you get him outside the pocket, he can – his best throws have come that route, have – gone that way we brought it up last week jake and i both hit on it that he threw so well on the run last week it was awesome to see it was so fun to watch like that being said like my matchup that i'm watching this week i'm still watching graham mertz like i can't take my eyes off of him he's so much fun to watch this season even Mm -hmm. in the games that the team struggled 
he's still made good throws. He's just made bad decisions at times. And I think people let that and the fact that he was a, a four-star recruit and then, you know, he has bad games here and there. Uh, I think people let that color their opinion of him instead of watching him objectively. And like I said, I've had so much fun watching Graham Mertz this year because he's played very well. Um, so I want to get one matchup from each of you. Um, Jake, go first. Give me the matchup that you're watching. I did a lot of research for this one. I feel proud about this. I very, I rarely feel proud about my matchups because I'm kind of like, yeah, that's basic. But I feel good about this. DK versus their number one corner, Jacorian Bennett. He is uh, he has nine passes defensed and one interception this year. And last year he had three interceptions. So he's a guy that clearly when the ball's thrown his way, he can make a play on the ball. We mentioned the third downs. DK's our guy. He's Mertz's guy. So DK versus Bennett is going to be a very good matchup that we're going to be watching on Saturday. At 11 a.m., by the way. The game is 11 a.m. on Big Ten Network, in case nobody knows yep. that. Yeah, it's been, it's been a minute since we had one of those, I think. Yeah, we had a Saturday Wait, morning college dude, football game. Last year. What was that? I said, I like that. It's been a minute, I think, since we've had an 11 a.m. game I, uh, this year. Contrary to last year, where we had all 11 a.m. games. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I kind of like the, the early college football games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes and no. I'm glad it's not every single week like it was last right. year. Not a, I, I don't mind getting it out of the way right away. At the Packers, I prefer them playing in that three three twenty five slot because I feel like I got so much shit going on in the morning on Sunday, and like mm-hmm. Saturday, my chill time is in the morning. So I prefer them to play in the morning on Saturday and later on Sunday. It just works better for me, and I'm yeah. selfish. So, that's <laughs> oh, all. Good. Uh, Mike, what's the matchup that you're watching? <laughs> I'm so we we keep talking about him. I'm looking forward to seeing just Isaac Arendo take another step. I think I think we still we don't un, we're not utilizing him as much. I'm looking forward to him being more a bigger part of the offense because I think Ingram had like we seen you know flashes of getting you know having him lining up at receiver running back position. I'm just looking forward to seeing him getting involved and you know just tearing up the whole. I, I'm a little broad on this, but the whole Maryland, uh, whole Maryland defense in general. Jake went had a very, very good answer. I, uh, I'm not going to talk. I went pretty broad too. Yeah, I, I, f- I felt proud about that one. Yeah. <laughs> good. <clears throat> so, Mike, I'm going to stick with you. What are you looking for from the Badgers' defense against Maryland's offense? It is reported that um, I don't remember his first name, but it's the Tago Viola, the other one, uh, was going to start for Maryland on Saturday. All right, so when I first lo- looked into this, I- I'm getting strong Purdue vibes when, when we're play- playing Maryland because this court, Tugavailoa, yeah, I don't, I forget how to pronounce his first name, so I'm going to yeah. not try and not butcher his last name. But I get strong <laughs> Purdue vibes in with, like, these two quarterbacks. Like, this is another gunslinger. He's going to throw it, you know, all, all around the field, in- in similar to uh, O'Connell from Purdue. Um, you know, I would say, you know, based off of like what I, I'm looking at here, he's got a couple of receivers that he likes to to go to, but he's got over 2,000 yards passing. Mertz has, I think, yeah, I think like 1,600s. Just so, just for comparison, there, um, he's going to sling it all around the field. Um, they have about what was it, 400, yeah, 380 yards a game. So, I mean, there's no lack in offense at all whatsoever. So, I mean, this guy, like. Their quarterback is what makes them tick. I'm looking forward to seeing, like, I don't know. Herbig sounded like he was going to be back this week, but it also sounded like he wasn't going to be 100%. 
So I'm looking forward to seeing the outside linebackers take another step and being more of an impact. I think that if there's one thing we could improve on is it would be the outside linebacking position with exception of Herbig because in the Purdue game, uh, a lot of our big time plays from the linebackers were from like were from Jake Cheney and uh, Jordan Turner as well. Yep. We did get pressure, but not necessarily from the outside linebacking position. So I'm just looking forward to those guys to, you know, step step up this week. That's the one thing that caught my eye. So you're look, I'm looking at guys like Caden Johnson, Daryl Daryl Peterson, and CJ Getz. So CJ um, Getz, yeah. He made some plays back- two weeks ago in the Purdue game. I'm gonna say that might be Tyler's new guy. He gave him credit last week. <laughs> um, to your point about Nick Herbig, the last thing that I saw was that he was gonna practice this week. That's the last thing that I saw on him. Mm-hmm. He just sounded like <clears throat> he was like he was. He wants to play, but it was like yeah, it's still kind of on the fence. So um, I guess we'll see. But it's still, regardless, it's not to me. My guess, I bet they keep him on a pitch count. Like they'll play him a little bit. So right. I. I another big week for our outside linebackers to have an opportunity to, you know, get most importantly, get some film and um, so they can get some sort of evaluation too. But uh, I think that's going to be very important, especially with how much this quarterback throws it. Maybe use them in like high pressure situations or obvious passing downs, some stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Jake, what are you looking for from the Badgers defense against Maryland's offense? So, Mike kind of alluded to it, um, and we're we're a little weak on the edges. Um, I literally have that written down. I was like, Mike's just going to read off my paper, I guess. But the Badgers are a little weak on the edges. Uh, look at the strength of this defense. I mean, uh, Benton is really good inside. He can control a lot of stuff. Even if he's not making tackles for loss or getting a lot of sacks, he still controls two linemen almost every play. Um, that allows the middle linebackers to flow. You continue up to the, the safeties. Our safeties have been phenomenal this year. On the edge, you look at our outside linebackers, not great. Our corners, I'm not going to lie, Holman, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but Holman been getting cooked a little bit this year. Let's just call it like it He's is. He's a man. freshman. but I know, but he was – He's shown some flashes too, so there might be has. some opportunity for him in the coming years. He is he is getting a, a mouthful this year. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's learning fast. He's Humble learning pump. position. Yes, but uh, as Tyler said, I still think that there's still potential and there's – there's op- there'll be opportunity in the future, but as of right now, he's getting cooked. Um, so corners are definitely something that I'm watching in this game. Um, it ties into my matchups. And the edge, we have to set the edge on the run and just funnel everything inside. Um, my kid on uh, on their averages and, and what the Badgers' averages are, they average 34 points per game scoring, and we average giving up 21.9. So if we can bring them down a little bit closer to our average, I think we could potentially, because I think we're going to score points in this game, we bring them down to our average. We might get a blowout on our hands. So <clears throat> to your point on the points per game and setting the edge, which is definitely going to be important, Maryland averages 5.0 yards per carry. Uh, it's number 23 in the country. Um, they're number 19 in yards per play, and they're number six in completion percentage in the country. That's now, that said, they did take advantage of a of a weak Northwestern defense last week. We saw what the Badgers did to Northwestern in their first game with Jim Leonard at the helm. Um, mm-hmm. That said, as far as the running game con- is concerned, Roman Bembry, their or Hembry, sorry, their running back, he does not go down on first contact very often. Um, so it'll be that's the type of situation where coaches are always talking about rallying to the ball. 
that's going to be a key for the Badgers. It's not my key to victory, but that will be key for the Badgers. Mm-hmm. That said, Maryland has given up quite a bit of quarterback pressure. They mm-hmm. they let guys get to their quarterback. It happened a lot in the Northwestern game last week. Um, I didn't see the I didn't remember the exact number of sacks that they gave up, but watching rewatching that game, like they gave up a lot of pressure on their quarterback. So that's going to tie into a couple of my things that I'm going to bring up. But me, the matchup that I'm watching, um, I'm watching the Badgers' safeties, actually, for this game. Ooh. Because Hunter Roller is back, Kamoi Latsu has played so well that I you can't take him off the field. So for me, yeah. I'm watching what's going to go on with those three safeties. If they're going to rotate them, if maybe they're going to move John Torchio up into the box a little bit and let Latsu and Roller play back. Um, and that, like, like I said last week, John Torchio, he, the first five plays, uh, that Purdue ran, John Torchio was up in Nick Herbig's spot on the defense. He was up mm-hmm. in the box. So maybe a little more John Torchio in the box and have Latu and Wooler deep, but that's the matchup that I'm watching is going to be the Badgers safeties. Uh, Mike, what's, what's a matchup that you're looking for, for the Badgers defense? Oh, uh, you kind of alluded to it. I mean, Wooler was also one of my was my other guy, I mean, going into this year that I thought would have a breakout year. So I think you re- you seriously hit it on the head for, for me. I think you got to find a way to get all three of those dudes on the field at the same time. Um, I think those are going to be – those are three of your best defenders. Fi- just find a way. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, Jimmy will cook something up and uh, – depending who, who the if there's a new D coordinator now. Um, I'm, they're going to find ways to get them on the field. If, if Waller's like a good to go of like he, his, he's got 100% you know, medical clearance, I think they find a way to get the, all three dudes on the field as much as possible. That is a strength, like you said, um, you know, because the cornerback position is a little, little questionable. So um, I think you fi- find, you know, those dudes, you know, to be huge impact players because they're all ball hawks, clearly. So. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to yeah I would say the safety the safety spot like you said Jake what about you for a matchup <laughs> so I said a uh, little uh, preview of what I was looking for and it's Tagovailoa versus our secondary in total in one specific area control the big plays whether that be flags on the field for automatic first downs with PIs or illegal contact or just straight up letting the pass catcher catch the ball. Control big plays, keep everything in front of you. These are still kids. Remember, they're not going to have all the patience in the world to just dink and dunk and do that for a whole game. So control the big plays, and the front seven has to set the tone, uh, you know, versus Tagovailoa. So that's going to be really big. So give me give me your X factor for this game. My X factor? <laughs> still DK. Um, I think that if DK can, can go at that number one corner – I don't know what happened, bro, but I just turned into the biggest DK fan like through the course of the season. I'm just like, yeah, I like DK. He's too You're welcome. Dope. <laughs> and like all of a sudden, I'm just watching this guy and I'm like, bro, I, I fucking love this guy, bro. Like he runs smooth and like he has all the potential. You know, he has all the yeah. tools to be like a really, really good wide receiver. So um, he's he's my guy. Uh, he's got to win his matchup every week. We We obviously can see the importance, you know, if you watch college and you watch nfl you can see what a true number one wide receiver does for an offense i mean did you just watch monday night football the Bengals? you see how horrible they look without one guy yes we all know their offensive line is horrible they lost one wide receiver 
and Joel Burrow just lost all the shiesty. <laughs> he was just Joe, <laughs> average, you know. No but yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. But uh, DK's got to be a number one. Uh, he can raise his draft stock a lot over these next couple of weeks just simply by winning his matchup. And Bennett, I think, is a is a respectable guy. Nine passes defense is a pretty high number. Mike, if you had to give an X factor, who would it be? It's got to be the outside linebacker backer room for sure. Um, when you mentioned like how many cute quarterback pressures Maryland's given up this year, I mean that 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 right there, I think, can just define find the game. We need a big big week from these guys. I think it's going to be a good opportunity, you know, based off of like what Maryland has done this year. Uh, that perspective so i'm looking i'm specifically calling out only because herbie's questionable in my view like daryl peterson cj gets Caden johnson those three dudes like they're they're on deck like that's their this is their their time to shine they're gonna have an opportunity against this team so um i think that's the x factor because if we can and then if we like jake said if we can keep those passes you know you know like really really short a little dink and dunk we can live with that so um, if, and that starts with getting pressure as well on the quarterback. So I would say the outside linebacking room. Yeah. On that same note, like I put Nick Herbig just because whether he plays or not, that makes him an X factor just strictly because of how good he is. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, like I said, having that pressure, especially consistently having a guy, you know, will get to the quarterback, not seeing if they can get to the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, if Nick Herbig is like hundred percent full go and he plays the whole game, um, Nick Herbig could single-handedly wreck this game. I think oh, so. like that's that's how I feel about Nick Herbig with this game um, and the pressure that Maryland gives up. Um, it'd be really cool if he's 100% good to go. If they move him on both sides of the offensive line, so one guy can't get used to him or comfortable with him, and move him around and just try to confuse the offensive line even more. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, I think Nick Herbig, if he's 100% full go, could absolutely wreck this game single-handedly. Um, then getting into key to victory, Jake almost, almost touched it when he's talking about the corners, um, is penalties. So my key to victory Mm. is cleaning up penalties. It's been a big problem. Uh, the Badgers are number one Oh five in the country at 7.6 penalties a game. Number one twenty in penalty yards, 71.4 penalty yards per game. Oh, now you want to know something gross? What's that? Maryland is worse. Oh no, Maryland. Maryland is number one twenty-two, eight point four penalties a game, and number one twenty-six, seventy-five point three yards per game on penalties. How the hell do they only have two losses? <laughs> what? That's nuts. So there might be a lot of yellow game. flying during this game if these two teams combine average 16 penalties a game. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was very nicely done, Tyler. Very nicely done. Uh, that's Jake, stat- what's your key to victory? I I said it by accident when I was talking about my matchups, but it's it's such a thing. The front seven, bring the physicality on defense, set the tone. Merch, get cooking, step on their goddamn neck. Let's finish these son of bitches early. You cannot win a game in the first quarter, but you can lose one. And God damn it, I miss watching the Badgers where they were just suffocating on defense. So this is the week that we get back to it. We're going to step on their neck and we're going to kill them early. Mike, what's your key to victory? 
pretty plain and simple for me. I think Coach Ingram keep opening up that playbook, man. I mean, obviously we've seen uh, positive results, you know, over the last three weeks. Um, you know, any average Badger fan would tell you the offense is definitely more opened and, and like more, you know, first running back. Um, mm-hmm. I, I look forward to seeing Ingram even dialing up more, you know, not necessarily trick plays, but stuff that we might not have even ever seen yet. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing Mertz get out of the, getting out of the pocket more and more and more. I, I stress that I'm going to stress that so much, I think, because I think now if you were to ask me, that's the best facet of his game. Once he gets outside the pocket and literally anything can happen, he's not a slow, he's not slow either by any means. So he does have the ability to run. So I think we got to find ways to, um, you know, get Mertz those kinds of throws and opportunities. And I think it starts with uh, Coach Ingram opening up that playbook a little more. Yeah, I I love that, honestly. I strongly agree with you on that. Um, I think, like, maybe a word that I would throw out there is the Badgers offense. It seems more fluid. Fluid, yeah. Um, it seems All right, smoother. All right, LaFleur, settle down. Shut up. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> it seems the Badgers offense seems smoother the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel quite as jerky. You know what I mean? Like it's when you're driving a stick shift car and you're like just figuring out how to do it, and then you're like, and you get the yeah. the jerks because you're trying to figure out how to drive it. Um, that's kind of how the Badgers offense felt through the first five weeks of the season. Um, so yes, Jake, I'm going to use the word fluid again. It, it, the Badgers <laughs> offense it. feels more fluid the last three weeks, and I think that has a lot to do with. Um, Jim Leonard basically turning to, to Bobby Ingram and saying, do your thing. And the offense yeah. is, is yours. Um, so that said, um, two score predictions, one from the head, one from the heart. Mike, give me your score prediction from the head. Uh, from the head, I, I do think both teams are going to score. I think that over does hit, actually. I'm going to go really, really high on this. I'm going 35-28 Badgers. All right, that's not bad, Jake. Bro, thirty-four twenty-seven. Oh, dude. literally, a, your point off on both of them, dude. I have thirty-three twenty-seven. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Damn, that's awesome. Love it. All right, back to Mike. Give me a score prediction from the heart. Let's see how close we are on this one. Oh my god! From the from the heart. Oh man. I would say, well, I want to give my defense a little little bit of credit at heart. So I'm going to go 30, 30 to 21, Wisconsin. 30 to 21. Jake? 31 21. 31 21. All right. All right. Jake? I got to make sure that's correct. I write down all the scores every week, Mike. Um, okay. Okay. Still went high. I went really high. Like, I think that Tagovailoa might get hot a little bit in this game, to be honest with you. 41 to 30. Woo! Damn. Damn. Okay. I, I went 38-21 on my score picks from the heart. Okay. I kind of met in the middle of you guys a little bit. I cannot believe the head prediction, man. That That's was bad. wild. That's crazy. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to throw out for the Badgers football before we switch to Badger basketball? Um, it'd be good. I think. We still need Illinois to lose three games. And it yeah. sucks that Michigan State decided to act like some thugs. And, yes, I'm going to use that term. I don't yeah. care because that's exactly what they were acting like after yeah. that game. And I don't know if you guys saw uh, – god damn it. 
I always blank on this guy's name. The freaking coach for Michigan State. What's Mel his name? Tucker. Mel Tucker. Did you see what he did? I so, actually- you know, after the game in the tunnel, everybody's always having their hand down. Like, hey, good job, good job, good job. And some of the players are high-fiving. The other ones are like, ah, scoffing at it. Okay, whatever. I understand if after a bad performance you don't want to give high-fives. It is what it is. But they were just trying to be encouraging. Maybe they were trolling. It is what it is. But he went over there. After one of the players literally just high-fived it, five seconds later he slaps it and acts like, who are you trying to touch me? That is the guy trying to lead college kids and turn them into men. Think about that. That guy got paid $95 million. For nine more years. You want to talk about tricking somebody and taking some damn money? Man, if I would absolutely hate if he was my coach. And we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about uh, you know, we're gonna talk Big Ten basketball, and we were involved in a scuffle last year. So I don't know. We're gonna get we're gonna get to it. It's gonna be interesting, but it just sucks that Michigan State decided to act like a bunch of dum-dums when we need them to win against Illinois, you know? Yeah. But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw that out there. No, it was good. Really good. All right, so let's switch to basketball. Uh, we're going to talk about the Badgers basketball. Uh, they start on November 7th, so that would be next Monday. Um, basically, it's going to be Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall's team this year, but we're going to start with some players that we're excited for. Um, Mike, let me go to you first, because you always have the good guys for, yeah, for players to be excited for. So I'm going to let you go first. Okay, so what I what I did, I got I I put down two players. I put one that's like pretty obvious, and one that's like, oh, not many people may, you know, know about this guy yet. So I'm gonna sure. do my first. It is gonna be it's gonna be Chucky Hepburn. I mean, you look at as he was as a true freshman last year, and how mature he was as a player. Like this dude, this dude was running, you know, the Wisconsin offense at ease for us many many times last mm-hmm. year. Not turning the ball freshman. over. Yeah, not turning the ball over, you know, not having no problem whatsoever defending, you know, the other team's mm-hmm. best player. I mean, that was Simon for for the most part. So yeah. his maturity, how he handled things going in week by week, he's not like that cocky dude. Either. Like he's just like grounded, like he's, you know, locked in. I get a lot of Jordan Taylor vibes from him, whether it's like hitting big shots, you know, and taking like that year two jump. I'm looking forward to seeing that because we're going to need him. Last year, he averaged about eight points a game for us, you know, just strength, strictly off of, like, points per game. I think we're going to need him to be closer to 12 to 13, 12 to 15, perhaps, if we're going to do something this year. Uh, so I would definitely say he he's my number one uh, player that I'm most excited, excited for personally. I so. remember last year when we did our Badger Primer that all three of us were hoping that he was going to be the day one starting point guard. And we found out that he was, and we were also excited for him. Uh-huh. Um, and and I, I don't think you could possibly have expected anything more from him. And honestly, we know what his absence caused because we needed him when he went down against Ohio against Iowa State, and it showed. I mean, like we said, you know, he didn't turn the ball over much, and then we get into Iowa State, and we don't have Chucky Hepburn, and Badgers turned the ball over seventeen times that game. Completely different team. That that God, that game will never because Iowa State was not even a good basketball team. That's the worst part of it. Like that yeah. should have been like instant, you know, second round win. Uh, we go play Kansas next week. So uh, that that one kills me. <laughs> All right, who's your next one? Oh, you want me to name my second one right away? Okay, yeah, yeah, give them both. Give me both. 
So I am going to go with one of our transfers, actually. It's going to be Cal nice. shooting guard out of Wofford. Uh, for those who don't know, he's actually a local product out of Nina, Wisconsin, was at Wofford for the last couple years. He's coming <laughs> off of shooting, having 15 points per game last year. And a fun fact, it's going to be a part of our game that we're going to need this year. He is 34% from three, shooting the three ball. So that's going to be a big, big part of uh, our in our starting five. He's going to be one of the starters this year. I'm about 95% sure. So, And one of the things that's been most talked about him going into this year, I mean, uh, he's getting Brad Davison vibes, uh, not even just from an offensive perspective, but defensively too. So I don't know if he's going to necessarily be the one of the most hated college players this year, but he's getting Brad Davison comparisons just reading a few articles so that's gonna when be we get into the transfers when we get into the transfers we're gonna talk about him more um i have some greg guard quotes about max klesman that i'm gonna share um and and brad davidson is one of the guys whose name was in the conversation of guys that greg guard was talking about in the same breath as him so i'm gonna i'm gonna save that for now so we can put a pin in yeah. that we'll come back to him but um Jake, who are two players that you're excited for this year? Well, I'm going to start off. I'm going to say Isaac Gard, uh, great guard son. I'm absolutely <laughs> joking. I am not being serious. <laughs> I was just like, of course, his kid was was a walk-on on the team, right? Yeah. <laughs> so my first one is Chucky Hepburn, like Mike. Um, I'm excited to see his growth from an overachieving true freshman to the keys to the car. And as Tyler and Mike were alluding to, he was all he always seemed under control. That's the word that I wanted to use. And if you're gonna have a guy uh driving your car, I prefer a guy that knows how to drive and is under control. So I feel like the team's gonna be steady this year. I don't know if we're gonna be crazy good. I think that there's potential. There's a lot of transfers, there's a lot of moving pieces that we know absolutely nothing about how they're gonna fit. That's something for Greg Gard to figure out. But the potential is there, I think, looking at all these percentages and where this guy came from. And I'm like, and Chucky's driving this car? I feel good about that. I really do, truthfully. Um, and then my next guy, I'm being biased. So right now I'm sitting in a house in Nina, Wisconsin. So I have to put the Nina product on there, man. Uh, I was really excited. I was like, oh, my God, this guy's from Nina? I did not know that. And he played at Wolford. And I'm like, this guy's shooting pretty good. He's playing defense. I'm like, this is my boy now. I'm signing up. He, I'm, I'm, I am driving this train. This is my boy now because I live in Nina. So <laughs> my son's going to go to Nina High School. I'm good. By the way, new high school opening up. Mike, did you see it? I, I, I heard about it. When is that supposed? Is that next school year? Next year. Dude, okay. thing okay. is freaking massive. Freaking massive. And Nina, by the way, for football, they were ranked like number six in the state. Yeah, and they just lost for Kimberly by like what? Like two, One point, 29-28. Yeah, Dude, they are becoming a football factory. So by the time my stepson gets up there, man, well, first of all, my stepson's a baller shot caller. So by the time he gets up there, he's going to be getting some looks. That's all I'm saying. And when we be doing uh, Badgers football primer in probably 10 years, Aiden is mine, and none of you can have him because I raised him. Hey, August, he's going to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I'm good with it, man. He's going to Wisconsin. I told him all if right. I'm paying the bills and I'm feeding you, I'm feeding you to be a Badger. All right. I'm good. <laughs> He's all here. Yes. <laughs> all right. So I wanted to stay away from Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall just because we know that the expectations for those two are high. 
That's why when we started this, I mentioned, you know, it's going to be Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall's team this year. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about Tyler Wall taking the next step as a leader. Um, I read a lot of things about Greg Gard saying that he's really taken a lot of steps as a leader, um, not only, you know, in encouraging guys that are coming in, um, but also being critical where it's necessary. So, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for Tyler Wall. I love Tyler Wall. So it's cool that he's, you know, he's got the opportunity to kind of run the team. Um, I wanted to stay away from those two um, just because I had the feeling they'd, they'd come up a lot. But number one, I'm going to go with Jordan Davis. Um, you brought up Max Klesman as the, the probable starting shooting guard. But I will say as far as the shooting guard position goes without Johnny Davis and Brad Davidson, um, Jordan Davis has a big opportunity. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about him so far. Um, and I really believe the opportunity for him is arguably the biggest for anybody on the team. Um, the second guy that I bring up is, is going to be another one that I think has a big opportunity, but um, Jordan Davis showed some very small flashes last season in very, very isolated incidents. But I do really believe that with um, Johnny Davis and Brad Davis and gone, there is so many vacated minutes there that there is an opportunity for a guy like Jordan Davis. So, if he can take a step and kind of start to fill the shoes of his brother, you know, maybe the Badgers get lucky and have two Davises that end up, you know, playing very well for the Badgers. Number two, this guy, I'm actually really, really excited for this guy. Uh, spoiler alert. He's going to come up again in my bold predictions, but I'm really excited for Steven Crowell this year. Yeah, okay. I'm so excited for, I can't wait to start watching him. Um, Greg Gard said that he spent a lot of time in the weight room this off season, which is very encouraging to hear. Um, and then he said, let's see what else did he say. What am I having? No. Um, oh yeah. The, so the quote that Greg guard used is that last year, a lot of times he was the nail and this year, Stephen Crowell is going to be the hammer. Yep. Oh, I read, that's I read, what Greg guard said about him. Oh, so I just got goosebumps. I'm not lying. <laughs> oh, okay. that, was, that was filthy. So, <laughs> I want to see Stephen Crowell play with some authority. We saw him hit some big-time clutch three-pointers last yes. year. I want to see Stephen Crowell play with some authority and become the next in a long line of great Badger big men. You know, we went through the Ethan Haps and Frank Kaminsky and Bruzewitz and Brian Butch and Joe Krabenhoff and all these guys, all these great Badger big men. And I'm ready to see Stephen Crowell be the next in that line of Badger big men. Um, I... Jake, your dad called you a nerd. I know. <laughs> I'm I'm really, yes. really, really excited for Stephen Crowell this year, um, because he he played pretty well at a lot of junctures last year. He hit really clutch threes, um, and now this year he's going to be stronger to be able to play with some authority. I'm I'm seriously I'm so excited for Stephen Crowell. Um, I'm I'm, I'm excited to talk about him more. He's he's going to come up again in my my bold predictions a little bit later, but let's get into, let's get into these transfers. So it's basically two guys that we're looking at. We're looking at Kamari McGee and Max Klesmet. Um Mike, I'm going to let you talk about the transfers. Um, what are you seeing from those two guys that you're looking at? Uh, well, I think one of the first things that sticks out to me, I kind of, I told, I was talking to Jake about this last week and, you know, we got, we got two guys, you know, that are, 
you know, fr- from the state. I, I just love that personally so much because it seems like a lot of like, whether it's transfers or guys that just love to be a part of like the Badger program are the in-state kids. And I think that's just like a more, that's a huge, huge pride thing when it com- comes to our state. We have that, like that, that culture, that, lo- that loyalty. So that's really, really, really big. I mean, we touched base on, on Klesman. He's going to be in my in my view the next Brad, may not the next Brad Davison, so to speak, but he's going to have plenty of opportunities, especially with the three ball. That's something that not with just him, not other players are going to have to contribute there because that is, you know, three point shooting is something that we're going to need if we're going to be successful this year. And that ended up being one of our downfalls last season. I mean, you look at that Iowa State game. I forget what the final tag. We were maybe like what one of two for twenty two. From yeah, from three, and Jordan Davis made that last one, which didn't mean squat. So um, this is—it's going to be a big, big uh, boost for us in the shooting guard role. Greg Guard also alluded that he could play some possible point guard, depending what the foul trouble situation could potentially be along those lines. So that's something to watch for. Um, and then our second guy from UWGB, Kamari McGee. Uh, for those who may be familiar with the name, he was a state champion at Racine St. Catharines with our with our guy Tyrese Hunter, who was at Iowa State last year and is now at Texas, I believe. So there's some state familiarity there. He averaged 11.6 points per game as a true freshman, uh, and that was with not even playing that much in the beginning of the year. And then I think once you know Coach Ryan was like, okay, this season is washed we don't have any we have like two wins they just cut him loose and you know he ended up being you know pretty solid so um at 27.5 percent from three i mean it doesn't it it is what it is but maybe potentially there's some development there that uh um could potentially that you know maybe we can improve upon i'm i welcome all three anyone who can shoot the three on this team i'm i'm interested i'm my ears are open on that so um, no, it, these are two good additions, two interstate kids. I wish we would have got a big man, um, so to speak, as well. But especially in, in nowadays in the transfer portal, I think it's hard to sell, you know, certain kids like, okay, we want to bring you in, but you're going to be the number, you're going to be the backup behind our boy Stephen Crowell for at least two years. So I see why it was kind of probably a struggle to maybe get that final piece in. We're going to have to do that by committee on the team this year. And we're going to have different, all different kinds of combinations to, you know, account for Stephen Crawl in case he goes out with fall trouble, which last year he did a lot. So it's something yeah. to also worry about as a bench improvement, but we can, you know, talk about that later. But uh, no, love the two guys that we got. Um, they're going to be good additions for the program. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all I got with that. So on your point of, you know, Kamari McGee being kind of cut loose at the end of the year, uh, the last five games of the season, he averaged 17.6 points on 50.7 field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. So he, he really turned it on at the end of the year. But, Jake, what are you looking for from these transfers? Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I wanted to touch base on the foul trouble with Crowell because that was a great point. I think the Badgers might do a lot of small ball this year because when I was, when I was looking up and down this have, roster yeah. – and I was looking at all the guards and all the three-pointers. And, you know, to your guys' point, you both brought up how we struggled with three-point shooting. I could see us trying to speed the game up with, you know, a small ball lineup and seeing how that works. The lineups that guard puts out there in the first couple of games is going to be really, really interesting, man. Uh, definitely something to watch. But 
I wanted to bring up one thing about Kamara McGee has nothing to do with basketball. But did you guys see him at the Purdue game? You see that video? So he was by the student section. He was trying to like baseball hit like t-shirts. And he swung and missed like four times. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I thought you meant like they played him in basketball last year or something. No, I know what you're no, talking about. did you about. see that? Dude, yeah. He, <laughs> and then he looks at the camera. He's like, that's why I never played baseball. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, he's got a good attitude about it. So he already seems like a cool guy, chill guy. But I watched a couple highlights. Pretty decent athlete, in my opinion. He, he could ball a little bit. Uh, Max, though, uh, I was already talking about how I was excited for him, but. I think uh, – I don't know how to feel about this team, bro. Like, seriously. like I'm like – on one hand, I'm like, bro, they could do this. They can go crazy. They could really stink if this doesn't work out. But, like, I think we're going to be somewhere in that competitive middle area, which is kind of annoying. But I think they'll get, like, a four or five seed, in my opinion, in the tournament. All right. So, you know, on the – on Kamari McGee, uh, the only thing we didn't mention yet was he was an all-Horizon League freshman team player. <laughs> Um, so there's that with him, um, on the small ball front, I do think there will be some times where Tyler wall plays the center position, uh, mm-hmm. quote unquote center position. Um, and then the other guy behind Crowell is Chris Hodgins. Um, he's, oh, yeah. he's kind of a bully ball kind of guy. Um, he's only six, nine, so he's a little undersized, but, um, you know, he's going to be the first guy off the bench if, if Steven Crowell gets into some early foul trouble. So, um, Hopefully he can step up, but getting into the other transfer, Max Klesman, I've, I've been teasing this now. I'm going to get to it. So um, he was so close. He made 68 threes at Wofford last year. God damn it. <laughs> Bastard. <laughs> One more, <So>. Max. <laughs> but now, all right. So listen, this is what Greg Gard said about him. Greg Gard, when he came in, Greg Gard said, seeing him now every day, I'm very happy with him. He's better than I thought he was. He then brought up three names of players that Max Klesman reminds him of. One was Brad Davison. The other is Josh Gosser and Zach Showalter. I like all those guys, so I'm on board. Sign them up. Gosser might <laughs> be my favorite on that, that list. Greg Gard put him in the same breath as. Yeah. Captain, same breath as Captain America. How can you not respect that? <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. so bringing him up in the same vein as those three guys, that makes me so excited to see what Max Klesman puts on tape this year. Mm-hmm. I right. think when Showalter hit schedule. that three, Showalter hit that three against Florida, and then he did the belt, I was like, God damn it. Now he's in one of my favorite players ever, man. That was a crazy oh. moment. <laughs> So well, Rogers the there a little bit. Um, November and December features only one ranked opponent, and that's number twenty-four Dayton. Um, January and February is loaded with tough games. Um, they face Illinois twice. They play Michigan State twice. They play Ohio State, um, Rutgers, Iowa. There's tons of tough teams in here. They only play Indiana once. But um, Mike, what are some of the big games that you're looking for on the schedule this year? Well, I think number number one for me personally. I mean. We may have to win a game first. We may have to beat Dayton, but you know, look at this battle for Atlantis, right? You got Kansas in there. You got Tennessee in there. Who, by the way, I don't know if you've read recently. So Michigan State and Tennessee just scrimmaged, and Tom Izzo, I, I'm, Michigan State got their ass kicked. I'm pretty sure. And Tom Izzo was like quoting, saying how good of a team like Tennessee is going to be. 
you know, this year, like from the jump. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to, you know, hopefully beating Dayton and maybe playing potentially Kansas, who we would play if we win. I was looking at the bracket today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so playing Kansas is going to be a big game, obviously, and Tennessee potentially. I was looking at, we got home and homes with Michigan, Illinois, and then, yeah, we get Purdue once end of the year at home. It's funny that, uh, you know, when we play Michigan this year, do you know what one of those games falls on in February? Yep, February 14th. I think, <laughs> I think they really made that happen, the Big Ten committee. But that was funny. That was funny, <laughs> I thought. Because uh, Michigan's going to have a solid squad, no doubt about it. Hunter Dickinson's coming back. He's going to be a matchup. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We're going to have to do that by committee because Prowl can't play the whole damn game. But um, – Always going to be very, very good this year as well. Um, they got a couple transfers co- coming in. Matthew Mayer from Baylor, uh, Terrence Shannon from Texas Tech. Both have been in big time games. Um, I think, I think personally, I think Illinois should be the favorite this year. I think in when I think of Indiana, I think they're always overhyped. They always get the big time recruits. And what happens at the end of the day? Wisconsin beats them. I think uh, what's the I forget what the streak is with winning at home against Indiana. Um, but we won a plenty of games on the road as well against Indiana. So Indiana, until they actually beat us, I will never be phased by them. Trace Jackson Davis, great player. I still think we'll be able to defend him personally. So um, I would say Illinois would be the best, the biggest in-conference foe for us this year that were um, the biggest, best matchup. So I have Indiana circled on, on my games that I'm watching for. And you brought up Trace Jackson Davis. Listen, I am a diehard Badger fan. I absolutely love the Badgers. But Trace Jackson Davis, like, as long as he doesn't do it against the Badgers, I love watching him play basketball. You can tell that he loves playing basketball. So that, I'm just excited to see the Badgers play against him. Um, You know, I brought up they play Illinois twice. They play Michigan twice. Um, Mm -hmm. Seeing... Um, Ohio State Rutgers, I think, is a little sneaky of a, of a potential team. Like that's gonna be that's gonna be an ugly game, win or lose. Badgers and Rutgers will be like an ugly slugfest. Um, but Indiana, just to watch Trace Jackson Davis, like he's a rival player, but he's fun to watch, um, and he seems to have a good head on his shoulders. So that's what I like about him. But um, I hope he has his worst game of the season on January fourteenth. So uh, other than that. Um, that's pretty much what I'm looking at. It's going to be the Big Ten is super tough in basketball this year. Mm-hmm. Super mm-hmm. tough. Um, that's before you even get to teams like Iowa, who's going to have a solid team. Um, Purdue could be kind of sneaky. I'm not really worried about Northwestern, but you know the Big Ten is going to be good in basketball this year. Um, Jake, what big games are you looking at? So I wrote down the Dayton game to start out. Um, like Mike alluded to, that could turn into even more crazy and tougher matchups. Um, then I wrote down uh, the back-to-back games that we have January 7th and January 10th, where it's at Illinois and then versus Michigan state. That's a tough two game slide right there um, at Indiana on the 14th. After that, that is a tough three game slide. Um, that's a lot of talent, a lot of different playing styles, a lot of speed athleticism in those three games. Um, and I believe that Illinois and Michigan State are two of the best coach teams in the country. Obviously, we know what Michigan State does, but Illinois is very well coached too. Um, and then before Mike stole my thunder, I wrote, no love lost. 
when we play Michigan on February 14th, I'm like, there's no damn way that just happened, bro. Like by accident. There's no way that happened. Like we we're fist fighting each other and they put us on the day of love. There's no way that happened by accident, bro. And then we also play them February 26th. Michigan is a tough matchup, um, especially for the Badgers. Uh, they play a pretty pretty high tempo, and they have Hunter Dickinson, who apparently the Badgers is going to let him go over the right shoulder for the entire fucking game. So I mean, that's annoying as hell. But if they take away the right shoulder, I mean, the guy the guy's a skilled player. I won't take anything away from him. But take away the right shoulder, and you take away like fifty percent of his game, dude. Right? Like, make him shoot mid range. Like exactly. Make him beat you other ways. He just posts up right shoulder. I'm like, are they going to stop that or? They no, he's going to let him drop thirty. I don't understand what was going on with that last year, but Michigan is a tough team. And I do agree with you. I think Illinois is still our best matchup because when we go to Illinois, it is not pretty most of the time. No, it's not. (laughs) That is a tough place to play. Yeah. It's pretty damn equivalent, basically going to Purdue. I would say right around, right along those lines. And yeah, it's not pretty at all. Those Illinois crowd is right on top of you, man. Yeah. (laughs) It's tough. All right, so let's get into it. Let's go to record predictions. Uh, Mike, I'm going to go to you first. What what uh, What's your record prediction for the Badgers this year? So, I don't know. You might call me too nice or too cruel. But going down the list and going through, like, each month. Yep, the that's end, what I did, too. Had, I actually had us having a good, solid January, but then – Towards the end of March, we struggle a little bit because I actually want to throw this out there. I think Minnesota do not sleep on them this year. Minnesota, Jamison Battle, lefty no. shooting guard, he tore last year. They brought in Dawson Garcia from Marquette and North Carolina. Um, he was an impact player too, especially as Marquette days, North Carolina. He kind of dwindled off, but um, I would look for a con- though, that that one-two punch. I would watch out for Minnesota a little bit this year. Pains for me to say that, but I gotta be. I'm gonna be, you know, real with That's the boys. Fair. So uh, I went, I counted up 31 games. I did 12 and eight in the big 10 and I did 21 and 10 overall, um, you know, based off of like who we beat and all that. I put uh tourney seed five or six uh, and then CAA tournament at the end of the day. So, uh, and in the big 10, I put anywhere from four through seven because there's a lot of tiebreakers that can happen in that situation. Mm-hmm. So I just varied it around along those lines. Uh, yeah. Jake, you got something to say? Bro, that is to a T the exact numbers I have written down. No fucking lie. 21 and 10, 12 and 8 conference. I only did 12 and 8 in conference. I was just talking about Tyler pre-show. I was like, dude, look at our conference schedule. Home, away, home, away, home, away, home, away, away, home. And then it's like we have one stretch of three straight home games, home, 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 and then it's home away. Like we don't get comfortable at home this year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about it a bunch of times. Tyler's been the lead dog on this. Talking about you know how the Big Ten is going to be tough, it is every year. So going home away and not being able to be comfortable, and you're always traveling, and there's student athletes on top of that, like that's going to be tough. So I was like, I almost went ten and ten in conference, but I was like, eh, they're better than five hundred basketball in conference. So I went twelve and eight. So I looked at it month by month. Um, I looked at I, I didn't go into the. Um, you know, where they're going to fall in the, in the early season tournament. I looked at just the 29 games on the schedule. Um, now, the months of November and December. So I, I mentioned this in the big games section for a reason because they only feature one ranked opponent in there. 
Now, I think the Badgers are going to start off eight and three. They're going to go four and one in November and four and two in December. Now, I want to say this because it's important because the Big Ten is so tough in basketball. I think they're going to go four and four in January and February. So the Badgers are going to get off to a strong start and they're going to be eight and three. They might even get ranked. What we cannot do is assume that because they started eight and three, that they're going to win 24 games this year. I cannot stress this enough for people that take expectations of an early season success and project it through the toughest part of the schedule. The Big Ten is so damn tough this year. So through the 29 games that are on the schedule, I have the Badgers at 18 and 11. Uh, If you add in the tournament games, I would say 20 and 12. Um, So I'm not super far behind you guys, but the months of January and February are fucking tough. There's a lot of good basketball teams in there. And like Jake said, with the inconsistency of being home and traveling, that's there's so much tough basketball to be played in January and February. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very good point. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. Big Ten, it's, I do think at the end of the day, the conference is wide open for a lot of teams to take, but that mm-hmm. just to how good the conference is with, with the talent level, level and everything. So uh, I, you know, just looking at it, I think there's a good five to six teams that have an opportunity to win the conference this year. I agree. All right, so now that I've brought the mood down by saying that I think the Badgers are going to get off to a hot start and people shouldn't overrate them, but um, let's let's have some fun with some bold predictions. Um, Mike, give me your first bold prediction for the Badgers this year. So I'll do my team one here first. Um, you know, just looking at the schedule, you know, we're going to have good days and we're going to have bad days. So that's when I kind of factored that into our overall record. I know a lot of these teams, some of these teams are going to be eventually ranked high so i got the badgers are gonna have three top 10 wins this season that's a good one i like that that one we're gonna take in your first one yeah mike you have something else you wanted to add real quick oh i was just no it was pretty quick i was just gonna say i don't expect this team to be perfect at all by any means however i do expect you know some flashes we're like okay this is we really can be damn good if we put it all together so Mm -hmm. i think i'm thinking we're gonna get some big wins and we might couple shitty losses so uh, that was my reason that's i respect it all right i'll do my team one first i'll stay on the on the gravy train of mike here the badgers shock us all and win the big 10 that's my that's my bold prediction because i don't think anybody's really taking us seriously i think people are looking at illinois people are looking at michigan states michigan's and they're kind of like and maybe the badgers probably not the badgers so they're gonna shock everybody win the big 10 just like last Mm-hmm. I like that you said that because Seth Davis of the Athletics said he thinks the Badgers are better off hunting than being hunted, and I love that quote. Mm-hmm. That I I could not agree with that more. Uh, the Badgers are better off hunting than being hunted. They they feel better when they're underrated, um, when people aren't taking them seriously, like you said. So I'm glad you brought that up so I could flash that quote in there. Very well done. <laughs> All right. Like I said, I'm super excited for Stephen Crowell this year. My oh first boy. bold prediction is that Stephen Crowell joins Chucky Hepburn and Tyler Wall, second team, all Big Ten. Ooh. Like that a lot. We need, though, it's the big three. They they have to lead. They have, probably have to account for 
damn near at least probably 60 percent of the scoring at least for us for us to have a shot so no i like between that. the three of them i think we need probably 40 to 45 points a game yeah tyler you're not gonna like I, the next one though <laughs> i'm not lying dude i'm so excited for steven crowell this year okay i like it i like it all right mike give me your second one I, all right, I'm. It's a truck. I got individual one. I got Chucky here. I got first team Big Ten yeah. and first team All Defensive Big Ten team. Which Ooh, I like that one. I think that one should be more emphasized on my end. He's going to be first team All Big Ten, and then he's going to also be first team, you know, Big Ten altogether. But I'm really going to stress the de- defensive part because even as a freshman last year, I kind of talked about it earlier. He took on a lot of hard roles, man. Uh, you know, versus upperclassmen, you know, versus Purdue, he was on Jaden Ivey's ass. Like, he's guarding the best guys. So they're going to give him all the tough assi- a lot of the tough assignments again this year. He's going to have an opportunity to showcase what he can do on that side of the ball. And he's just a ball hawk. And I have a lot, I, clearly, I have a lot of expectations for him. But, you know, with how he was carrying himself last year as a true freshman, I, you know, he can definitely get it done. Yeah, I like that one. All right, yeah. Jake, give me your second one. All right, mine's also about Chucky. Me and Mike are just on the same wavelength today. But I have Chucky takes a Johnny Davis step, becomes a household name in the country, makes all Big Ten first team, and is viewed as one of the best point guards in the nation. I love that. Damn. I don't. I was like, I don't know if Tyler's going to like this one. And that's the one I was telling you before the show. I was like, this one's kind of crazy, but a Johnny Davis step. Nobody thought Johnny Davis was going to be in the running for player of the year. I don't think any of us said that. Oh, hell I mean, no. We, we expected Davis to be good, but mm-hmm. to be one of the best three players in the country, I was like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Never know, right? I like it. I like it. So my second one is one. It's a guy we haven't talked about at all. Um I'm going to say that Carter Gilmore becomes the Badgers' sixth man this year, and it develops into a similar mold of Tyler Wall. Um, he showed some flashes last year where he had, you know, a couple games here and there. Um, the other part of this that makes me believe that he might be the Badgers' sixth man this year is that Greg Gard said that um, Gilmore may be the most improved player on the roster this year. Really? Players said, so, said that vocally as well. Yeah, so... I'm looking for him to potentially become the Badgers' sixth man this year. Okay. I mean, he's going to have opportunities to – I think with maybe even in addition to Chris Hodges, he's going to be one of the first dudes yeah. off no matter what. If yep. Stephen Paul gets in trial trouble, I personally think they put Gilmore in the game based off an experience level. I don't think they're going to throw Hodges in, in the fire. Straight into the fire. But it's got – this is going to be by committee. So, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Gilmer's going to get plenty of opportunities to guard anywhere from the three to the five. He's going to be the first one off the bench. If you want me, you know, to take, I shouldn't take much out of this, but, you know, just going, looking at this box score when they played Eau Claire the other night, I mean, he's getting 17 minutes and that's, you know, the closest to any, you know, starter that was also out there. So, um, yeah, like you said, Coach Guards talked about it, talked about it. I'm looking forward to him taking a huge jump. Bench play. Very, very important for us here because last year that was something we were lacking, and uh, it was so, so bad. With the exception of Chris Vogt, um, yeah, you know our bench player was, you know, collectively got awful. So he's going to be one of the keys to the, you know, car, so to speak, the, you know, team rolling this year. So 
Um, I love his motor. I think that's one of the things that I like most about him is that he's he's a hustle guy. Um, and and Jake and I, we love the hustle guys. We love the Pat Connaughton's of the world. That's you know those are the types of guys that we love watching plays. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, I'm very excited for Gilmore to get a bigger opportunity um, to build on some of the good things that he did in some isolated times last year. Agreed. All right. You guys got anything else you want to throw out about Badger basketball? Uh, Mike Yoder is the GOAT. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw two more names out there because um, I kind of mentioned in our chat um, I can see and at least at the start of the year, Greg Gard playing as many as 10 or 11 guys. Yep. Have to get that down to eight, I think, for us to, you know, get some sort of camaraderie going. I'm going to throw – the first one I'm going to throw is true freshman Connor Segan. Yeah. Yep. You know what's up with him. He's a true freshman shooting guard. Um, you know, even in this last game against Eau Claire and even in France, um, you know, he was averaging anywhere from 10 to 15 points a game. So this dude, this dude, from what I've been reading, he's been he gets buckets. He watched some of his film. Offensively, I think one hell of an addition for us. Um, Coach Guards made it clear already that on the defensive side, he has to play catch up a little bit, which is you know definitely understandable for sure. Um, you look at him like his size wise, obviously he has to you know bulk up a little bit. But I think there's going to be um, many many opportunities for him to play this year. Um, especially because our three-point shooting has been a, has been a dumpster fire for the last year, and we're gonna have to bring this dude off the bench. I think at some point to get a spark going. Um, so I think he's gonna be at least in a few games this year. He's gonna help us out a lot. I think he might be no more than ten minutes a game unless he's like on on fire shooting the ball. Um, but it's definitely something to watch, especially if we need you know that three-pointer that we're desperately needed. Need for so, and then I'm also going to throw up real, real quick. Uh, Isaac Lindsay, uh, recently, um, he was one of the guys who just got a scholarship for, from, yep. from yeah. the back. Uh, I'm just happy for him that he finally got that. And he's one of those guys, too, that's going to be like a two or a three, and he's also going to be responsible for taking some of those, you know, three, three ball shots. And apparently, his defense is getting a lot better, too, as uh, we progress, like, and he's in third year now, so. Um, that's definitely a guy I think we should watch as well going forward. But, um, you know, just seeing guys, you know, work their ass off to get that scholarship and, you know, seeing how it was presented to them on the, that was awesome. That was pretty good to see, but no, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to get opportunities this year. And I'm hoping, you know, we eventually get it down to that final eight, but that's definitely going to be hard to, 
hard to get down to, especially in this first part of the year, because I see 10, 11 dudes that are playing for sure to start the year. Yeah, man, those lineups are going to be, be very interesting. I'm so happy that you brought up that video because that video, when I watched it, I was like, these are the best, dude. These are the freaking best. They had like that French dude on the board and stuff because he told everybody to come by the by the board. And then they were watching the video. I was like, those make you feel good as a person, man, seriously. Because you know he was working his ass off, like you said. I mean, and he earned that, man. He, he took that shit by himself. Yeah, he went in as a walk-on from UNLV. Nope. And, um, bet on himself. I mean, you're back to – you went from scholarship to paying for – you know, a whole year of school and, you know, a whole year of tuition, you know, that's still a lot of freaking money. So, I mean, just betting on himself and, you know, buying into, you know, that walk-on program at Wisconsin, you know, it's just it's good to see that's all coming full, full circle. 100%. So, last thing I want to throw out is that Tyler Wall is on the Julius Irvin Award watch list uh, for the best college football, small college basketball, sorry, college basketball small forwards so i just wanted to throw that out there uh, as we end the um the badges portion of the show and i want to give a thank you to bernard for commenting on youtube saying i love your guys' show um that that validation is always really appreciated um yes, spend a lot of time working on the notes for for the show so it's good to feel appreciated so um, i want to thank mike for jumping on to talk about the badgers with us and jake and i are going to switch to the nba so we're going to stick with basketball but uh, Mike, thanks for joining us again to talk about the Badgers. Thanks, thanks Mikey. A great year. Looking forward to be back in. Be back on here soon. Yes, sir. Take care, <laughs> Mikey. Mike. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm ready to talk Bucks, baby. I'm Dude. ready to talk Bucks, baby. The Bucks are six and zero without three guys that will be in the playoff rotation. Yeah, bro. I'm telling people. I keep putting hashtag scary hours because it's about to be bad when we get these boys back. We got heavy hitters coming, dude. We and have all they, our power they might hitters. be coming sooner than later. Oh, I know. You because got some news on that. Chris Middleton was assigned to the herd to practice yesterday because um, Eric Name from The Athletic was reporting that the Bucks don't do a lot of in-season practicing. They do a lot of shoot-arounds, walk-throughs, drills, stuff like that. They don't do a lot of like uh, like five-on-five scrimmage practicing. Mm-hmm. Um so they sent Chris Middleton and Marjon Bochamp to the Wisconsin herd to get some like some game action, <clears throat> which tells me that Chris Middleton could be back soon. Um, yeah. And then if you look at the timeline of when Pat Connaughton was originally announced that he was going to miss up to three weeks, um, Eric Name also put that out there, that that was Sunday, October 16th. So three weeks from that Sunday would be this coming Sunday. Um, so we could potentially be really close to a Pat Connaughton return as well. And what I'm seeing is that the reports currently are that Joe Ingles could be available in January. We can wait on Ingles. Um, yeah. We have a, we have a championship We were squad. always planning on waiting on Ingles. But... Yeah, and he, he's he's a super vet. He understands what his role is. We talked he's around about the team already. Yeah, we touched on it last week about the camaraderie of this team. Uh, everybody understands their role. That's why we're able to be 6-0 and without three of our best players. I would argue they're three of our best players, which is crazy because his roster is just filled with good players. Dude, this it's crazy. I'm dude. so excited. Let's let's have fun. Let's start with the Bucks and the Nets game. I'm gonna throw this yep. out there. The Bucks got Steve Nash fired. Hmm. Now, the reason I say that is because he got fired after a win. So they they won and then he got fired after that. I Barely. think what might have been one of the final nails in the coffin 
was his freakout in Milwaukee. So last Wednesday, the Bucks are beating the Nets. Uh, they come back from a 12-point lead at halftime by the Nets. And mm-hmm. it, it bugged me that this even happened because it was Royce O'Neal trying to take a charge on Giannis. It was called a block. Like, honestly, like, it really doesn't get much more textbook of a block. Um, it wasn't even close, yeah. It w- really wasn't even close. And for Steve Nash to flip out, get technical, flip out more, and then chase after the refs to get another technical and thrown out of the game, it's like, are you trying to get your team fired up? Like, is that what that was? Like, it was really confusing to watch it because, like, oh, you know, if you want to get your team fired up, like, you just yell at the refs and waiting for them to toss you. Instead of, like, chasing after the refs, then he got really wide-eyed and he looked all crazy. Then he's yeah. walking into the tunnel and he takes something out of his pocket and he like chucks it down the tunnel. Yeah. Like I think that sequence right there, like that is what got Steve Nash fired finally. To be honest, you could kind of sum up the 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 Steve Nash era of him coaching the Nets in that one little segment. Um you could if you add in his pregame where he he was interviewed pregame talking about how to defend the Bucks and Giannis specifically. And he was all calm and talked about things to do. And obviously none of that shit worked because the man dropped 43 and he gave Ben Simmons a too small. <laughs> just that, was, dude, that was so awesome. <laughs> That's like, that might be like top five favorite Giannis moments. Cause that was so awesome. Cause it's... preseason. Cause, okay. So Ben Simmons makes one play defensively on Giannis in a preseason game. People are like, Oh, Ben Simmons knows how to defend Giannis. Ben Simmons couldn't do a goddamn thing to Giannis in this game. Not a damn thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to control my emotions, but I've had that conversation way too many times. And the fact that people are still trying to say, Oh, Simmons is 6'10", and he's athletic, and he can guard Giannis. You know, there's a saying in sports where he can't hold his jock strap. I'll tell you this. Ben Simmons isn't even smelling Giannis's jock strap. That shit's not close, okay? You don't get dunked on when you're in Philly and get called a fucking baby. And, yes, I said fucking because that's the words that Giannis used. He said he's a fucking baby. He said it two, three times. And then you don't get dunked on and get called small. And then somebody's going to tell me that he can handle him. That's not how that works. Okay? You get one answer. Oh, I love that so much. Giannis kills Ben Simmons. I am so happy that Ben Simmons sucks, dude. I was getting so annoyed with, oh, the potential, the potential, the potential, the potential. What fucking potential are you looking at? Because I don't see any of it anymore. And and he's done up here. I'll tell you that right now. He's done. It's over for him. He is what he is now. And now everybody knows he's scared to shoot. I mean, in this game, Kyrie passing the ball, Giannis coming back. He, if he's 6'10 and he's so great and he's so athletic, that is a dunk 100 out of 100 times. There is a 6'3 point guard there. And I'll tell you this if he would have went up for it and he got fouled, he would have missed both free throws because he is gun shy. That is the reason he didn't go up because Drew is smart, would have fouled him. I'll tell you that. Might have stripped him even. Ass. Ben Simmons is ass, and I am so sick of this conversation of he can guard Giannis. He Stop. Can. Stop. That ends today. <laughs> There's less than three people in the NBA that have a chance against Giannis. Um, name them. I want to see. I mean, I Bam's say, on there. Bam Adebayo, yes. Yep. Um, if Anthony Davis is ever healthy again, 
I'd maybe throw him in there. Um, I don't know if I'm giving Davis that credit. He has no dog. He's no dog, bro. Giannis will eat his ass up. We saw it in Milwaukee last year. I know. Now, from from an athletic standpoint and an ability standpoint, 100%. But that, yeah, that's that's where more I'm looking at it. Is that if I can see it, if anybody who is is anybody is strong enough, tall enough, and athletic enough, yeah, like Anthony well, Davis is on the list, one of those yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, if Jared Allen would add ten pounds of muscle and you know more quick twitch, I would maybe say Jared Allen. Um, He's a good defender. Other than that, I mean, mm. you got anybody else that you think could even possibly? I think a guy on that same Cleveland roster could develop into that and Mobley. I think he could develop true, into true. a guy. He's going to bulk up, but you know, he's got the opportunity. And he's he's very fair. long. But no, that's fair. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm not on the Davis train anymore. And he's, I mean, we had that conversation last year. Oh, Davis is better because he's more skilled and he can shoot the ball. I don't give a shit. No, okay? I don't care. We saw what happened when they went head up, head up, right? Yep. And Giannis is viewed as a guy that's not a good free throw shooter. I'll tell you something. He don't shy away. He's a goddamn straight-up superstar. He is what you look for in a superstar. Anthony Davis got blocked twice by Giannis last year on jump shots. Bro, David, Davis cannot handle the smoke. Giannis is not afraid to miss a shot. He's airballed a million free throws. I mean, he actually talked about it in a video last year. I watch the behind-the-buck pass stuff all the time. I mean, they come out like three days after the games. But it just shows them at practice, being normal guys. And I like to see them in that element, you know, because we always see them in these high-pressure situations. But Giannis talked about it. He said, I've airballed 100,000 free throws in my life. I'm not afraid to do it again. That is a mindset thing that I absolutely love. And people are going to look at it like, oh, you're not afraid to airball a free throw? That's what fucking winners do because they know that you're going to fall. Do you know You're what that fall is? Again and again, but they're gonna get back up. You know what that is? What do you got? That's the mama mentality, is what it is. Hundred percent. Kobe Bryant never cared that he missed a shot because he wasn't thinking about the last shot. He was thinking about the next shot. hundred percent. Um, and that's one of those things where you know you learn from failure, but don't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I've I've said this a little bit when we've talked about the Packers, but the past has no bearing on the future. Agreed. Missing your last shot doesn't mean you're going to miss the next one losing a game doesn't mean you're going to lose the next one um like i said missing a shot losing a game doesn't mean that that's going to happen when you go up next time um i was at the game on saturday we'll get into the hawks game but Giannis had a block attempt dunked or a dunk attempt wow that was completely dyslexic of me real quick um he had a dunk attempt blocked yeah you can tell that i've never said that sentence very often because couldn't even get it out straight. Doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> he, had a, he had a dunk attempt blocked. And then when the game was in crunch time, he went and dunked on John Collins. That's what he does, bro. He's a bad dude. So let's get into some specifics of this Bucks yep. next game. Um, it was a slow start for both teams. The Bucks missed a bunch of shots. Brooklyn turned the ball over a ton. Um, Brooke Lopez playing good interior defense. That's going to be a theme all four games and yes. beyond. Um Drew Holiday, I'll say one of the things when he's guarding Kevin Durant is you can't go under screens on Kevin Durant. You just can't yeah. uh, ever. Um, the Bucks started three for 18 on field goals and were up by one point. 
and then they ended up actually being three for 19. Um, George Hill broke a streak of six straight misses, kind of opened the floodgates a little bit. Brooke and Bobby both hit three-pointers after that. Um, <clears throat> I really wish the Bucks could have signed this guy. Um, Royce O'Neal is a noted Bucks killer. Mm-hmm. He got hot in the second quarter. He made four threes in the second quarter. Um, Bobby and Giannis kind of kept the Bucks close. Um, Grayson Allen um, hit a three. Um, you made a really good point about this, and I want to give you credit for it, about giving credit to George Hill for hitting guys in their shot pocket. That's that's an underrated skill, and I, I really agree with you on that, and I wanted to give you credit, and I want to give George Hill credit for doing that. Um, that's an underrated aspect of being a good passer. Um, with that, that Grayson Allen three, cut the lead to five. Um, George Hill again to Grayson Allen for a layup, tied the game. Um, Bobby Portis got an offensive rebound and some second chance points. Um, mm-hmm. I gave the Bucks a 72 to 70 lead. Um, uh, you get to the third quarter, Giannis had 17 points in the third quarter, the Nets had 21. Yeah, <laughs> so then you get to the fourth quarter. Um, Grayson Allen drove to the basket. I brought up last week, Grayson Allen driving to the basket was an underrated part of his game. And he kicked out to Giannis, and Giannis hit a catch-and-shoot three. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, boy, we're getting mm-hmm. into that. Uh, while we're on the topic of Giannis shooting threes, you want to know something disgusting? Uh-oh. Tell me. Giannis currently has a higher three-point percentage than Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic. No way. Yup. Wow. <laughs> wow. Did not see that coming. <laughs> so that's a true story. Um, <laughs> Giannis had a couple times of scoring on two or three guys. Jordan Wara, I want to give him credit. Um, I've been critical of Jordan Wara because I don't see as much potential as a lot of other people do in him. Um, I'm a little bullish on him, but he hit arguably the best shot, the the most clutch shot that he's hit in his Bucks career. Um with the game tied at 83, hit a three-pointer. Yeah. Um, then we get into Giannis backing down on KD. He does his post-fade footwork, pump fakes the post-fade, takes a step past KD, and puts in a floater off the backboard. The footwork. Oh, weight, the footwork. Weight room, bro. He oh, put his, man. He put his shoulder into his chest and moved his little ass. <laughs> and then you get into... The Nets are getting back on defense. It's a transition. Giannis mm-hmm. is looking one on three. He just goes right down the middle, gets a layup, and one. He's a bad Who does dude. that? Giannis. Giannis. Either hand. Yeah, exactly. Giannis either, does that. Either hand. Then you get it later in the game, Drew Holiday showing off his disgusting step back. It's so good. Drew Holiday step back. It's a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, Giannis hit a jumper to put the game up 10. Um and then he did the two little gesture on Simmons, which you kind of touched on already. Mm. Um, Wesley Matthews hit back-to-back threes. Um, Giannis hit 17 points in the fourth quarter as well, 34 points in the second half. Uh, the Nets had a 12-point lead going into halftime. Giannis only had nine points. He was one for seven on field goals. And people are like, oh, is this sign of the Nets turning the corner? The Bucks, you know, struggling with the Nets. And then they come and destroy the Nets in the second half. So we talked about Ben Simmons a little bit. Did you know he didn't take a shot in the entire second half? 
I am not shocked by that. He's gun shy. He's afraid to shoot. All right. Talk to me about this game. What are you thinking from this game? Well, Drew struggled in this game, but he still played tough defense. So people were starting to get on Drew Holiday again, which was really stupid. Uh, Brooke Lopez was Brooke Lopez, like you said, controlled the paint. Bobby Portis, double-double. He's been a freaking double-double machine to start He is a double-double machine. <laughs> um, Giannis with 43, 14, and 5. I mean, that is just freaking stupid, bro. Like, it's becoming a Giannis stat line. Like, when we need him in big games, Giannis is just like, all right, I'll take it, you know? It is what it is. I'll tell you something. I uh, I did two things. One, I'm really, really paying attention to the assist-to-turnover ratio. And our assist-to-turnover ratio this year has been pretty good. Uh, in this game, it wasn't great. Yeah. But um, going into the, the Knicks game, fantastic. Going into the Hawks game, also fantastic. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But I'll tell you what, their assist-to-turnover ratio has been very, very good this year. Um, I <clears> wrote <throat> down the bench points. And for okay. this reason only, I'm putting it on on film because I wrote down their their points, their rebounds, their assists, their field goals, and their three-pointers. Because I want to see how much it changes towards the end of the season when we're oh, at full sure, strength. Sure. So in this game, the Nets had 20 bench points. I only wrote down the points for them, um, for the opposing team. And our bench had 38 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists. They were 13 to 25 and 6 to 17 from three. We're not a great three-point shooting team right now, but when you add a Pat Connaughton coming off the bench, and, I mean, there's going to be other pieces. Javon Carter's going to be coming off the bench. He can hit some threes. Joe I mean, Ingles will be coming off the bench when he gets back. Joe Ingles. I mean, the points from the bench is going to be nuts. I Dude. honestly feel like there's going to be games where we score 50 points off the bench. I believe that. <laughs> um, you get into just Bobby Portis alone had 20 points on 8 yeah. of 14 shooting and 3 for 6 on threes. Yeah. So he had half the threes and he had o- over half of the points. Think about that. <laughs> over half the rebounds. So then you add a Pat Conton who can get hot and hit four threes. A Joe Ingles who can hit four threes. And Javon Carter can give you two or three of them. I mean, Jesus Christ, we are going to smack some people around. I also love... Bucks are quite easily the the deepest team in the NBA. Oh, it's not even close. I'll tell you that. I was on a a Suns page the other day just looking at comments. I don't even follow them. But I was looking at comments, and they're like, we're the deepest team in the league. I said, LOL, bro. I laughed at all the comments on there. There was like 90 comments, and I had time. I won't lie. I was just sitting there reading. I'm like, idiot, idiot, can't wait to smack the hell out of your team, idiot, idiot. I'm like, bro, this is not close. We're missing three of our best players. We're going to smack the hell out of you. If we're getting contributions from George Hill and Sergi Baca, Oh, it's over. Yeah. It's like, there's over. nothing you can do. If if George Hill is giving us six points and four assists off the bench and, and Sergi Baca is giving us six points and five rebounds in, like, eight minutes a game, like, there's it's, no letdown. It's over. <laughs> yeah, because then Brooke, Brooke gets to sit on the bench. And not that Ibaka is still the rim protector that he is, but he still can test shots at a high rate and he understands well, how to defend. Defender too. Exactly. Then you get to get Brooke back in the game, who apparently had the greatest back surgery of all freaking time. <laughs> Seriously, bro. That's awesome. guy's, I love guy's, that. He's nimble as hell, man. You see him moving? He looks oh, my, so bro, good, dude. You, I haven't seen you move like this since 2015, man. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> His back surgery was crazy, but 
Uh, he's been going nuts. That's but man, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> you like that? I was saving that. <laughs> but so you brought up all of Giannis's stats. I want to add in the three blocks. Yeah. Um, he did have seven turnovers, unfortunately. Um, and then you get yeah. into Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday also had five turnovers. So I just I want to see that that number come down. Yeah, um, the yeah, Bucks yeah. are averaging about 14 turnovers a game right now. If they can get under 13, that's the same number I was looking at last year. If they can get under 13 a game, be in like the top 10 to 12 in the league, that's fine with the pace they play at. Agreed. Um, what I will say is I did bring up Drew Holiday not being able to go under screens on Kevin Durant. He hit a three on that. That was the only three that he made. He was one for four. Kyrie Irving was 0 for seven on threes. KD and Kyrie combined one for 11 on three-point shots. You talk about the Bucks changing their philosophy on defending the three-point line and, and being more tenacious about it. Mm-hmm. There is your perfect example right there. KD, Kyrie, one for 11. They do not know how to coexist together. And I will die on this hill. I will Sorry. die on this hill. Because Kyrie's best ability is to kind of be like a microwave. And just get hot for, for you know, he can get hot for a whole game. I won't lie. He's got that talent. Yeah. But KD's best ability is to be able to get any shot that he wants at any time in the game. Yep. When Kyrie's on fire, you take away KD's rhythm. So then now, because it, it happened in this game, Kyrie was cooking. He was getting hot. All of a sudden, he started missing shots. They're like, oh, okay, let's go back to Kevin. He'll make shots. He took a couple mid-range jumpers in a row. Clank, clank, short, yep. clank. I'm like. He lost all his rhythm. Yep. They have no idea how to coexist with each other. And Steve Nash was not the coach. He was scapegoated. I will die on this hill too. He was scapegoated because of this. Kyrie is the problem. I agree. I agree. Kevin Durant is – you like if you're going to make a trade, do not trade Kevin Durant. Trade Kyrie Irving. <laughs> but you know you're going to get the most for, for KD. Oh, I, yeah. that's There's no doubt about that. But yeah. you're also going to be a worse basketball team. 100%. So, last thing I'm going to do with this game is fundamental failures. Um, seven missed free throws, 14 points off turnovers. That's really, I think, the Bucks' biggest opportunity in this area. And 11 second chance points. Com- that's a com- combined is 32. Um, that's one point below where I'm looking at them to be. So, uh, solid in that area. But, I mean, I don't really know what else you can ask for for this game. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, let's get into the Bucks and the Knicks game. And I want to congratulate first Javon Carter for scoring his his thousandth career point in this game. Yes, um, thank so you. I wanted to start with that. Purple jerseys I'm... are back. Yes. What did you see from the Bucks and the Knicks? First of all, I appreciate you so much for bringing that up. I love all the Javon Carter love and he absolutely deserves it. He has the dog in him. I yes. feel comfortable with him and Drew on the floor together. As defenders, I feel absolutely. Oh, yeah. I can sleep great at night with that situation. Oh yeah. So another thirty point, fourteen rebound, nine assist game for Giannis. Whole hum, right? <laughs> um, to me, where this game was won was if you look at the shot attempts and you look at the turnover disparity between the two teams. The Bucks had twenty three assists and six turnovers, where the Knicks had nineteen and twelve. We shot 109 shots. They shot 93. Now, we didn't make a crazy amount with that that shot attempts, but I'll tell you what, that pace, 
and the low turnovers with that pace definitely was a factor. Bro, sign me up. 100%, man. Dude, 109 shots. That's, when, that's nuts. If we're shooting 109 shots with Chris Middleton shooting some of those shots, we're we're going to average 130. I was literally <laughs> thinking 130 was the number. When you brought up 50 bench points, I'm like, we're going to score 130. Yeah. I mean, Jesus. Um, Brooke Lopez, 14-11, three blocks. Wanted to bring that up. Drew Holiday, plus 17. Oof. Giannis was a plus 27, but... The reason I bring up Drew Holiday is because he had another rough shooting game, 6 of 19, but he had 16 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals. And Bobby Portis, 12 and 12. That's what the hell he does. He gets double-doubles. He brings the energy. He pounds his chest. The purple jerseys were looking real slick, by the way. Dude, they look, they look good. Um, Just to bring up the bench real quick before I give you the floor, 28 points, 23 rebounds, three assists, nine of 32, and two attempts from three. So a little bit more efficiency, one and out of the bench there. But like you said right now, the bench is really just Bobby. So the Bucks had seven guys in double figures in this game. It was Drew Holiday, Javon Carter, Grayson Allen, who had his best game of the year so far, 17 points. Giannis, Brooke Lopez, uh, George Hill, and Bobby Portis each had 12 points. <clears throat> so you brought up being comfortable with Drew Holiday and Javon Carter defensively on the field or on the floor at the same time. I feel similarly about George Hill and Drew Holiday. Yeah. I'm really seriously, I really like what I'm seeing from George Hill to start this season. Mm-hmm. Like he I think he really took to heart that he didn't play very well last year. Um mm-hmm. I think he knows like guys know when the public sentiment about them isn't great, like they know. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, George Hill's comments about wanting to give back to the city um, and not go out, you know, the way that he did. Um, <clears throat> I actually really like what I'm seeing from George Hill. He's playing well offensively. He, he's passing well. He's defending well. I mean, I couldn't really ask anything more from George from George Hill. So yeah. <clears throat> uh, the ball movement was showing early. Wesley Matthews gets a steal. Yep. Giannis dunks all over. Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, bro. That was that was awesome. Yes. The Knicks hit some threes in the first quarter. Uh, Javon Carter looking really good in the first half. Um, Sergi Baca got some second chance points. Um, and then Giannis got an and one right before the half to give the Bucks a six-point six lead at halftime. Get into the second half. Drew Holiday just mastering his step back. It's Dude, it's damn near unstoppable. It's damn near unstoppable. It's Pretty seriously good. Then this was exciting because <laughs> Brooke Lopez gets a, a ball and he he can assert himself. Like he's perfectly capable capable of asserting himself. Dirk Lopez is back. Oh. He gets that one foot fadeaway. Like, oh boy, Dirk Lopez over here. <laughs> oh, Dirk Lopez was back this game. It wasn't the only time that it happened in this last week, but uh-huh. <clears throat> seeing him doing that, hitting those one foot fadeaways is awesome. Um the Bucks really kind of exploded in the third quarter. Um George Hill was hitting jumpers. There the ball movement was great. The lead was up to 24 at one point. Grayson Allen hit like a falling shot, threw the ball over his yeah. head into the basket for an and one. 
Like you awesome. know it's your night when that stuff is going in. Mm-hmm. Um the Bucks did what they needed to do to keep the lead at double digits. The Knicks kept pace in the fourth quarter. You know, they you know, credit to them. Um, but like I said, I think this was Grayson. Oh man, Grayson Allen's best game of the year. Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis both had double doubles. Giannis was one assist shy of a triple double. I seriously, as far as this game goes, I think my favorite part of the is the fact they only turned the ball over six times. Dude. That is I... so huge. Like that makes me so happy. And it reflects they missed five free throws. Only two points off turnovers for the Knicks. Two. Two. Wow. Two points off turnovers. Wow. 17 second chance points. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, credit to Mitchell Robinson and Julius and Julius Randall. Those are that's a pretty good pair of big men, but 17 second chance points is a lot. So all in all, that adds up to 24 fundamental failure points. That's pretty good. Anything under 33 is better than last year's average. So let's get into the Bucks and Hawks game. I attend, attended this one in person, and I have some interesting things that I want to say, but I want to get your thoughts first. I'm going to let you uh, take care of those hiccups real quick, man. Yeah, I know. I need I'm to starting get to feel bad there. for you. Um, so Bucks versus Hawks. Yeah, Tyler was there, so he's going to have the uh, – the advantage of seeing it in person because there's just a different feel. Uh, for me, this was a weird Giannis game. Um, he ended up with 34, 17, and four. So he just did his average stuff and he got hot in the second half again. He's he's making that a trend, I'm going to go out on the limb and say. Um, but he was struggling at first to shoot the ball and the Hawks were really, really collapsing on him in the paint, making it really tough for him to get clean shots. But to his credit, he didn't give up. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 21 and 6, 8 of 12, 5 threes. The man was on fire. And before you take this thunder, the best play of the game was a behind the back pass for a three. Dude, that was so damn slick. I was sitting like perfectly in line with it, too. Like, I was um, on the, the first half, the Bucks went this way. Um, yeah. And we were on that side. We were on the side the Bucks attacked in the first half. Yeah. So I got to see that one like up closer, dude. It was so slick. It was right on point, right to his shooting pocket. I was just like the ooze and the ahs. Oh, so uh, awesome. So that was one of those plays. Like if you're a hooper, you know, like it's one of those plays where you're like, Ooh, and then if they make a shot, ah, you know, you yep. like freak out, you know, cause he's just behind the back. I'm like, mm-hmm. you got to pay you know, it off. Looking at it like that Vince McMahon meme. Where he's like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, uh, you know, and then, and then the, he oh. makes a shot. And you're like, oh, you know, you're going crazy. I was like, God damn, that was nice. Um, Drew Holiday, baby. My God, 34, 2, and 12. Um, My second favorite play of the game was absolutely at the end of the game when Drew got the steal and threw it to Giannis and Giannis dunked it to close the game out. I was kind of like, that's how you win the goddamn basketball game, baby. It was. But, it was Drew Holiday gets a steal to Giannis for the yep. dunk. It's like, stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> right, dude. <laughs> like, the, the best play in Bucks history was that. Yeah. Um, the bench in this game, I mean, the Bucks only 11 turnovers. Again, 24 assists to 11 turnovers. That's a great ratio. You could stick with that all season long. You will absolutely win a lot of games. Um, 14 three-pointers uh, was the most uh, this week, I believe. I don't think they made 14 the other day. No, they made 11. 
um, was the most this week. So they shot a little bit better in this game. Um, I hate Trey Young. Um, he's annoying. Uh, he cries he's a lot. Very annoying. Honestly. And I was on Hawks uh, Twitter reading all the comments, and they were like, "This game is rigged. They shouldn't have been a foul." I'm like, "Bro, he clearly pushed him. He got like, some foul calls that shouldn't have been foul calls too." He so. does. You know, the one that really pissed me off was Giannis on the other end goes and he probably got stripped. I'll be honest, but he did. Hey, you know, like one of those NBA players do that all the time. Yep. I mean, I still have, I can still hear Michael Red doing that from when we were kids. <laughs> but then Trey Young goes down the exact same side of the rim and does an A and he gets the call. And the first thing Giannis did was walk up to the ref like, what about on that end? Why is it not a foul for me down there? And that was one of the plays where I was like, man, Trey gets so many calls because he's 6'3 really on does. NBA court. Um, not that he shouldn't get more some some of those calls because he's he's right. quick and he could yep. he could pull from deep. So he's like a he's like a Walmart brand Steph Curry, because he's not Steph Curry level. Um, but he gets a lot of calls and it's annoying as hell. Um, he the, the thing that bothers game, me about me. him, like obviously, like he does a lot of like crying to the refs. Like he doesn't go and talk to the refs the way like Giannis does. He does yeah. a lot of like, uh, uh, why didn't I get the call? And like, um, it really annoyed me at one point. Like he got called for, um, it wasn't him, but he was dribbling the ball and the guy that was setting a screen for him got called for an offensive foul for moving screen. And yeah. he did one of these to the ref and he's like, did one of the, you know, get out of here yeah. hand gestures. Yeah. And I'm like, really dude? Like I lost I think... even you know a little small smidge of respect that I still have for him. Like I lost more respect for him. Like the fact, honestly, and the fact that he didn't get a technical for that for doing that towards a ref. Like really, I I think the NBA is doing a really good job calling more moving screens this year. I was yeah. watching uh, Minnesota Suns last night. And there was a couple called in that game. There was a couple called in the Bucks Pistons game. When we get there, but it's like they're doing a better job of calling some of that not allowing just a wide open shot. Yeah, I think some of it too, not even just the moving, but a lot of it is like the when a guy sets a screen and then pivots and kind of spins as if he's going to roll. Yeah. But almost sets like a second screen with his back to the defender. Uh I think they're calling a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, seeing Trey Young just complaining all the time, it's just like really like yeah. It cheapens the game in my opinion. I agree. Um, but the story of this game, at least in the first half, was Brooke Lopez, who was so insane. He started like three for three. He gets a couple threes, and then Bobby Portis finds him for a dunk. Then he hits another three. Then he hits another three. Then he starts five for five. Then he starts six for six. Then seven for seven. And then he gets his heat check. He comes around and it's like 22 Bro. seconds on the shot clock. And he takes his heat check. I'm like, yeah, that was his heat check. And that was his first miss. Yeah, dude. He shot that from forever away, man. <laughs> I'm like, that was his heat check. He didn't miss until 438 in the second quarter. Yeah, he was hooping, bro. Like, seriously, he was hooping. And he was playing defense at the same time, which is exciting and yeah. fun to watch. Um, what I wanted to say is watching this game in person was first. I wanted to bring up the Javon Carter behind the back pass because that was so slick. Um, I got a greater appreciation for the mind of Drew Holiday watching this game because he single-handedly picked apart Atlanta's defense 
he was directing traffic like I've never seen him before. And I like I think I um part of it is you don't see all the stuff in between uh the dead balls. So you don't see all, you know, it follows the ball. You don't get to watch the players when they're talking to each other. And Drew Holiday is out here telling guys he's like, he's this and he's pointing and he's, you know, telling, you know, this guy, you go here. The Bucks ended up getting like four or five backdoor layups in just the first half out of Drew Holiday directing traffic and telling him, you know, sneak from the short corner area, which is in between the 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 paint and the three-point line um, along the baseline. And then just sneaking into the restricted circle and getting layups. Bobby Portis got a layup that way. Javon Carter got a layup that way. Javon Carter got that behind the back pass to Brooke Lopez by doing that. Drew Holiday himself went and got a, a layup by getting backdoor that way. Drew Holiday directing traffic was seriously really important to this game. And obviously his scoring as well. Um, but getting a lot of guys wide open shots by getting to the rim by taking advantage of the way that Atlanta was playing defense. So I really got a really good appreciation for Drew Holiday by watching this game in person. Mm -hmm. So the lead was down to two at the end of the first quarter, despite some slow starts by everybody but Brooke Lopez. Um, Giannis started one for seven in this game in the first half, two of four at the free throw line. Brooke Lopez was the only player in double figures at halftime. Um, The Bucs were up eight and, you know, Getting into second half, Giannis picked up his fourth foul with 2.39 to go in the third quarter. Bucks were up seven going into the fourth quarter. Um, Jordan Wara actually gave some Bucks some really good minutes in this game as well. Um, he had 13 points in 11 minutes. Or no, he had 11 points in 15 minutes. Sorry, I got my numbers mixed up. Um, Drew Holiday working with Giannis. Uh, that was a design play by Budenholzer, who I want to give credit because I still see people yeah. Like, oh, Budenholzer needs to be fired. He needs to be fired. Marjan's not playing a lot of minutes. He needs to be fired. Yeah. I've seen a couple people, to their credits, um, saying, you know, okay, like, you know, Marjan doesn't look quite ready yet. So, you know, I'll back off on that. So seeing people give give that credit to Budenholzer and being like, okay, I see why he's not getting a ton of minutes. Um, he did start the second quarter of this game, so he did get some run. Um, but the play that at the end of the game, Giannis goes and sets the screen for Drew Holiday, and this is a this is basically like a read option for Drew Holiday to see where the screener, uh, which was Giannis, where his defender, and then where Drew Holiday's defender goes on the screen. And Drew Holiday used it and turned it into a left-handed floater that went in and gave the Bucks a lead. Um, and then um, Giannis gets the dunk at the end of the game for good measure. Um, Trey Young basically just trying to do everything himself, basically just dribbled the ball right into Drew Holiday's lap, and then Giannis got a dunk. Um, that was lit. <laughs> seeing, seeing at one point, Drew Holiday made 10 consecutive shots. So he finished with 34 points on 13 of 22 shooting, 12 assists, 4 steals, 2 rebounds, and a block. Um, Brooke Lopez finished with 21 and 6. Um, Giannis with another post fade to seal the game. So this is two games in a row, back-to-back nights that he's sealing games with post fades. Off glass. Um, I wish Christopher was watching because this is a good stat that I got here. Ready? All right, all right. The final six minutes of the game, Giannis scored or assisted on 19 points. Oh, wow. The last six minutes of the game. 
This was a close game too. So that's impressive. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, I mentioned Jordan Wara, his 11 points. Bobby Portis, nine points, 10 rebounds, four assists. Mm-hmm. Um, Wesley Matthews needs some credit for this game. He had five points, seven rebounds, a steal, and a block. So Wesley Matthews had his fingerprints all over this game too. Um, oh, man, this, this pained me because the Bucks miss a lot of free throws. Ten missed free throws for the Bucks. Um, 16 points off turnovers for the Hawks and 15 second chance points for the Hawks. Total of 41 fundamental failure points. So, mm. you know, the Bucks did end up winning this game, but um, could have could have won by more um, by playing a little more fundamentally sound. It might not have been such a close game at points in the fourth quarter with, with Trey Young mm-hmm. hitting some shots and actually the Hawks taking a one-point lead at one point. But yeah. um, Giannis responding to the Hawks taking the lead by dunking all over John Collins, that's, he did. that's MVP stuff right there. That is definitely MVP stuff. Um, I believe this was the game, correct me if I'm wrong, where it was a missed free throw and Wes Matthews went and chased down the ball and got an offensive rebound for us. Was that this game? Or he was saved that the- it from going out of bounds to Drew Holiday. Yeah, that was this game. His hustle was impressive. And if we want to give him credit, he's been really fucking good at crashing the old boards this year. Yes, he has. I think part of that goes along with like Grayson Allen obviously being in the starting lineup, but like Wesley Matthews knows his role. Dude, he's a tough, he's a strong guy. We don't talk about this. He's a strong guy at the two guard position. I mean, you see his build, he's pretty put together. So he can go down there and mess around with the big guys every once in a while. He steals some extra possessions for us. Oh, yeah, 100%. He's like, he's like the shooting guard version of Bobby Portis. God, we just have so, we just have the right, I think we have the right like mix of players like this guy does this well this guy does this well this guy plays off of this well like and you know we're we're talking about joe ingles and his ability to pick and roll ball handle and find Giannis and and you know maybe and brooke and bobby and um you know and then chris's ability to just hit big time shots and now Giannis and and i want to give credit to to drew holiday the last couple games been hitting clutch shots um this team just has got the right mixture in my opinion it feels good. So let's get into the yes. Pistons game. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew Holiday still hot to start this game. Yeah. Um, started five for six in this game. He's so dirty when it comes to hitting those baseline shots where he's kind of behind the backboard. Yeah. Like I feel like he probably just practices that for like two hours a day. <laughs> did you see? Did you hear what the the uh, 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 commentators were saying about that? No, he he got to his spot. He got to the behind the backboard spot. He shot it, and Lisa Byington goes, "That's his spot." And I'm like, "God damn, it's gonna go in, isn't it?" Just cash. <laughs> I'm like, "That is his spot. He owns that. That is. That's where he <laughs> hit that game winner against the Grizzlies two years ago." Yep, was right along the baseline like that. I remember. <laughs> so, um, Giannis doing Euro steps, getting tough finishes. Bobby Portis was going early. The Bucks were up double digits for most of the first half. Uh, they were up by eight at halftime. Um, um, Bobby Portis passed Brandon Knight for 25th all-time in Bucks history for made three-pointers. Oh, wow. So Bobby Portis has been here for just over two years and is already in the top 25 and made threes in Bucks history. 
I'm with that. <laughs> He's going to be pretty high on the list when he leaves. <laughs> That's for sure. So Detroit, to their credit, they they hung in there. They kept going. They didn't quit. Um, they cut the lead to two in the first minute of the third quarter, um, down to one. And then Giannis went for eight straight. Um, part of an 18-4 to four run, the lead was back to 11 by the end of the third quarter. Um, some sloppy turnovers. Um, and then Giannis doing Giannis stuff. Again, here we are, 15 points in the third quarter. He did get his fourth foul early in the fourth quarter. And then between Cade Cunningham, who is – he's good. He's going to be a baller. Yes. And second chance points that kind of allowed Detroit to get back up in the game again to close the gap. Um, they did the same thing to Golden State recently and actually beat the Warriors last week. The night before. Um, yes. So that sloppy turnovers, you have to clean it up. Um, Giannis again putting games away with his post fade. Um, the game was tied at 105, and then Drew Holiday hit a nasty three-pointer. Just doing Drew Holiday stuff. <laughs> um Hit two threes late in this game. Boyan made one at the buzzer, which made the final score look a little bit closer than it actually was. Yep. But um, the Bucks started the second half 0 for 12 on three-pointers. Um, yep. So the Bucks they really need Chris Middleton and Pat Connaughton back uh, to help boost their three-point shooting. Um, Drew Holiday hitting those two threes in the second half was seriously um, really crucial to winning the game. But... Um, Turnovers, fouling, that's that's what allowed second chance points. That's what allowed Detroit to get back into this game. But uh, what did you see from the Bucks and the Pistons game on Monday? First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give Dwayne Casey and his staff a lot of credit. He has these. Young He's a guys, very good coach. He has these young guys playing fucking hard. They are they are setting hard screens. They are running the box out. They are running their lanes. He is absolutely a great coach. If you're going yep. to try to get young guys to play basketball the right way. I He's getting a lot out of Isaiah Stewart, to his credit. Yeah, Isaiah I Stewart plays hard. Dwayne Casey. Um, yes, I agree. Giannis was actually a minus one for this game, hmm. which was crazy shocking to me, but he was still Giannis. Um, 31-7, two assists, two blocks. Uh, Brooke Lopez, I will say, yes, Drew Holiday had two crazy threes. The three-pointer he hit in the second half that broke the streak of 0 for 12, was the biggest three-pointer of the game. In my opinion, because it allowed people to be like, all right, we're off the schneid. Your ball can go in. <laughs> um, Bobby Portis hit one after that. And then the two uh, Drew Holiday threes. That step back three, that last one he hit, the camera like went to like a wider view. And they showed more of the crowd. I was like, they're doing that for dramatic effect, bro. He steps back, crowd, ah! And I'm like, bro, those are the best moments in sports. So man. nasty. Just, yeah. And he, <clears throat> I think he's a better wing shooter. He shoots a lot on the top of the arc, but I think he's a better wing shooter. I don't know what the percentages are, but it just seems like on the wing, he's just cash. Um, that's my spot. I'm I like the right. I'll, I'll find it out. I like the, I like the right wing. Um, he had a massive game. 25 points, 7 rebounds, 10 assists. Um, the, six, the 20 assists to 12 turnovers, huge. Uh, the Pistons, 19 assists, 16 turnovers. So that uh, disparity in assisted turnovers, yeah. Um, but like I said, the, the Pistons were playing hard, so I give them credit for that. The bench in this game was not great. When you take away Bobby's 15, 12, and 2, they had 21, 19, and 5. 
Um, I forgot to write down Nawara's stats, but Nawara was pathetic in this game, at least he from was what I remember. Four, I believe. Yeah, and he was like a he was like a minus whatever, like eight or he something. Was like minus that. thirteen. He had one. 13. He had one rebound. Was the only stat he recorded. Yeah, he was getting cooked. Um, and and I'm not trying to like, you know, rag on anybody, but this is the reason when me and you talked about it about him not being able to be a consistent rebounder, a consistent defender. I don't give a shit if you can shoot a damn basketball. There's 400 some people in the NBA that could shoot basketballs. Okay. You got to be able to do other things. Yep. He's not a playmaker. He's not a defender, not a rebounder. You got to give me something else. You're on a team full of people that literally live on mm-hmm. doing dirty work. Bobby, Brooke, Drew, Giannis, yes. Chris, they all do dirty work stuff. They're all two-way players. I mean, we're filled with two-way players. It's disgusting. <laughs> I mean, even Bobby Portis is getting ranked ranked highly in defensive stats right now. Think about that. Um, a guy, Bobby George Portis. Hill, George Hill and Giannis were the highest plus-minus uh, duo for the Bucs last year. I saw a thing. <laughs> this is crazy. I saw the list. It was like 12 people or whatever on that early season MVP list. Brooke, Drew, and Giannis were on the list. I was like, we got three Bucs on the list, bro. That's crazy. Um, I'm still cheering for Nawara. Like I said, I'm not trying to rag on him, and he he can shoot. He's not afraid to shoot. That's that's he did that's, well in the Hawks and the Pistons, or the Hawks and the Knicks game. So he's capable. Yeah. He can make winning plays. I need a little bit more heart out of him on the defensive end because that's all defense. To me, it's not all defense, but to me, main part of of playing defense is you got to fucking be able to put your body on the line. Right. Um, they talked about it in that next game actually to backtrack a little bit. And Royce O'Neal when Giannis was coming down. To your credit about that that left-handed layup that he made, Royce O'Neal did the swipe at the ball. That is no heart. Those teams do not win titles. That's that's James Harden's school of defense right there. A guy drives by you and you try to do the reach around, poke the ball out thing. That's the Ole. That's the James Harden school of defense. The the, the worst part about it was he was in position to, to to put his body on the line. If you're not willing to do that kind of shit, you don't deserve playing time. I'm because not gonna lie we, to you. When I play basketball and like I'm guarding somebody defensively and somebody tries to drive past me and I beat them to the spot and they like run straight into my chest, like I get excited when that happens because like yeah. yes, I just beat you to your spot. I know I just played good defense on you. We, I mean, you still do, but I play a guy named Sed all the time. Yep. And Cedric, when I first met him, bro, I never met somebody that that was as physical with the basketball. And I remember, you know, because of the way that we were brought up playing defense, I stood in the paint one time, and he took his big giant shoulder and put that shit right into my chest. I remember being out of air, but he he helped me up off the ground. He was just like, that was a good play. I mean, he ended up scoring because he's used to that contact. But if you're not willing to put your body on the line to win, I mean, you you don't deserve playing time, man. There's plenty ways to get it. And just being a shooter, this isn't the 90s anymore, man. You're not going to get on the floor just because you can shoot. Everybody ask, can shoot. Ask Bryn Forbes how many minutes he played in the playoffs. Exactly. He was only used in that fucking Miami series because he was on fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. After that, he sucked. <laughs> he didn't play. He didn't play. I know. At all. Um. So, I mean, you mentioned a bunch of the stats. When you bring in Giannis is plus minus. Um, I think the fact that he only had two assists is part of it. Uh, especially when you factor in the fact that he had four turnovers and he had five fouls. Yeah. Um, Drew Holiday also had four turnovers. 
Grayson Allen had four turnovers. Um, he did have nine points, two rebounds, and two assists. But, um, I mean, Brooke Lopez, 24 points, nine rebounds, and two blocks. Like, I don't think there is a single person on the planet Earth except for Brooke Lopez that expected Brooke Lopez to get off to this hot of a start. His surgeon. <laughs> His surgeon. I Dude, I love that so much. The best back history in the history of sports. That's fucking awesome. Dude, it is. Man. I'm, <laughs> I'm sticking to that all year. <laughs> um, so the Bucks missed six free throws. Gave up 17 points off turnovers, which is high. And 18 second chance points, which is also high. It's a total of 41 fundamental failure points. Two games in a row of 41 fundamental failure points. It's just you gotta gotta clean it up a little bit in these two games. And the Bucks will Bucks will be blowing teams out uh, yeah. on the regular. Yep. So that said, let's get it into it. Uh, give me your power pair for the Bucks this last week. So I said it last week, and then I kept them off my list on purpose. I could have easily had Giannis on here. He, you know, because we do a power pair, he could be one of yep. them every single week. But pretty I went much, with, unless he uh, misses like two out of three games in the week or something like that. Yeah, because of yeah, that's 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 a good point because of you know managing minutes and stuff. But I went with Drew Holiday and Bobby Portis. Um, I just see way too much Drew Holiday slander. It is ridiculous. It does not yeah. need to happen, and it needs to stop. Twenty points, five rebounds, seven assists. Um, he shot 36 from behind the three-point line. He only shot 42% from the field. But he plays elite defense, so you live with 40% from the field, and you know that it's going to get better. But 25-7, and seven, I mean, it's ridiculous. Bobby Portis averaged 12-12. 12 and 12. He shot 45% from the field and 47% from the three-point line. So, I mean, what more can you ask from Bobby? <sighs> he's amazing. He's, he's incredible. He's – I love him in Milwaukee so much. Dude, he found his home. That's really what yeah. it was. Uh, my underrated reporter, I went with Brooke Lopez, by the way. But I did as well, and I will give some cool statistical reasons why. Mm-hmm. My power pair is Giannis and Drew Holiday. Um, Giannis, he was the Eastern Conference Player of the Week, so I wanted to throw that out there. He's also got now five straight 30-plus point games. So there's that. It's a good streak to uh, be on. <laughs> Drew Holiday is my other one. Back-to-back double-doubles, three rebounds shy of a triple-double on Monday. Mm-hmm. And he's scoring at all three levels. Yes. He's getting to the rim, he's hitting mid-range, and he's hitting threes. So Drew Holiday, three-level scorer, elite defender, clutch basket maker, back-to-back double-doubles, three rebounds shy of a triple-double. I had Drew Holiday in mind. Uh, my underrated performer was also Brooke Lopez. Currently leading the NBA in blocks, and he leads the NBA in contested and altered shots. Oh, wow. That is not where I thought you were going with that. That is a fantastic stat. Um, Coming into yesterday, he was number one in the NBA. He has contested or altered 90 shots. In six games? <sighs> What is that average, bro? What is that average? That's uh, that's fifteen a game. Yep. Yeah, nine six. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Think about what that does for our defense. Then you got to add Giannis in there, bro. Wow. Ninety contested shots. Wow. 
Okay, so yes, I have Brooke Lopez <laughs> as my underrated performer. That is, that was a fun stat to find. So before you go, I wanted us to say something about the lineup that was on the floor with Drew, Carter, you had Brooke, Bobby, and Giannis. Yes, dude, the bigs. The, the big boy lineup. The bigs. I was like, whoa now, whoa now. You flip a Carter, who I love, for a Chris Middleton, that lineup yes. will kill you. That lineup will kill you. Because <laughs> now you have to go one-on-one with Giannis. Who the hell that are you leaving open? That lineup is huge. Who are you leaving open? Yeah, we're going to crash the boards. We're going to suffocate you inside. We're and all good shooting. Luck passing the ball. Yeah. I mean, we're doing everything. We got ball handlers. Just we got arms everywhere. We got finishers. We got everything with that lineup. That lineup is disgusting. That is massive. And that is where, and I'm going to bring this up before it happens, that is where they will beat the Cavaliers. Because our big lineup oh, is sure. better than, than their big lineup. Oh, sure. 100%. When you get into Garland and Mitchell being on the floor at the same time, that makes them very potent on offense. Mm-hmm. Also makes them exploitable on defense. Yeah, and they want to talk about Allen and stuff like that, but which one of those guys is stopping Drew and Chris? Come on. Well, you put in Brooke Lopez, who's made, say, four threes in the game. How much space are you really going to leave him to guard the paint? Yeah. And are you going to have him play one-on-one defense against Giannis? And then you add in Bobby on that floor, bro. Who who's stopping that? <laughs> That's a crazy lineup. I was so Jared Allen is a that. good defender, but he's not five on one good defender. And you know um, the stupidest shit is they always show the one block he had against Giannis when he tried to dunk on him, but they don't want to show the seven thousand dunks that Giannis had on Allen. It's like yeah. That's why we that's why we always say on here, I'll take that ratio. Giannis is gonna oh, get easy, easily. But we're not I say the same the thing as the flip side. If you get dunked on a hundred times and you block a shot one time instead yeah. of just letting a guy go up for the dunk, I, I will high five you for that. Yeah, exactly. I will high five you every time you get dunked on for the one time that you swat somebody's shot at the rim. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Easily. God. Easily. I, I just wanted to bring up that crazy lineup because I was like, bro, the potential of that lineup. Yes, I, I love insane. it. It's fun seeing some of the lineups because they've also run Drew Holiday, George Hill, Grayson Allen lineups. Yeah. Um, Before we move on again, you see that quote with freaking Anthony Edwards, bro? Because he yeah. has zero dunks and he yeah. brought up Giannis. I literally commented on there. I was like, dude, Grayson Allen against the Hawks had like four dunks. Like, I don't want to hear nothing about being a 6'4 yeah. guy. You can't even get a leak out, really? Yeah. Come on now. Stay off the Popeyes, buddy. You're, um, you're an elite so, athlete. Stay off the Popeyes. He, he's crazy athletic, too, is the thing. Yeah. And I'm not like, taking anything away from somebody. him, like, he is young, and he does not take care of his body like he should. Yeah. I think that's where the Dwayne Wade comparisons are going to stop. Yeah, Dwayne Wade is a grown man in a lot more ways than Anthony Edwards is. So we'll just leave That's it fair. at that. Um, the Bucks play tonight. They're going to start in probably about an hour. Yep. Uh, they play at Minnesota on Friday night. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking about them. Uh, they're at home on Saturday against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then they are at Atlanta again on Monday. So 
Um, we get to see a rematch tonight. We get to see a rematch on Monday. We get to see the new look Minnesota Timberwolves tomorrow or on Friday, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then um, a rebuilding Oklahoma City team on Saturday. Um, is there anything that you want to throw out there about the Bucks? Um, the only thing that I see, because uh, uh, we do what to improve, we're not going to harp on anything. Maybe mm-hmm. just shooting the ball a little bit better, but I'm not going to get on it because shooting the ball is hard, especially in the NBA. So okay. shoot shoot the ball at a little bit more uh, consistent clip, and I could see a 4-0 week easily. <laughs> yeah, for me, um, for me, the thing to improve on is just turning the ball over less. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something ever since we've started talking about the Bucks. this is our third season covering the Bucks, and mm-hmm. um, turnovers are always a big thing that I'm looking at just because it's a – um, it's an easy opportunity for your opponent to get easy looks at the basket, to have um, to have a man advantage in transition. Um, and a lot of those turnovers that the Bucks have usually lead into threes for the other team. So mm-hmm. just turning the ball over less is something that I'm always looking at. But that being said, um, I'm going to go three and one for the Bucks. I think they're going to get their first loss on Friday night at Minnesota after having played six straight home games. Um, they go and travel. They're not going far, but um, I just think that the combination of Carl Anthony Towns and, and Rudy Gobert defensively um, might be something that kind of rebuffs the Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis hot start that they've had. Um, not saying that I don't think the Bucks could win that game, but um, I don't think the Bucks are going 82 and 0. Spoiler alert. So <laughs> yeah, even one for the next week. I think I think the Hawks game is the one I would look at just because Atlanta's Atlanta gave us a tough matchup at our house and they could shoot. They have a couple guys that could just absolutely get on fire. I think with um, Atlanta, I don't think they're physical enough to hang with the Bucks. That's fair. I and I would agree with that. I just I don't know how I feel about Towns on Giannis. Are you putting Gobert on him? Because then Brooke Lopez is gonna kill Towns. You want to talk about a guy not physical enough? That's just my look at it. I don't think we're losing to Minnesota. If we would lose, I think it would be Atlanta. Um, either way, if we lose le- neither of those games, it's going to be another fun week <laughs> next yeah. week, Wednesday. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we, I'll take a three and one week and be talking about oh, the Bucks being man. Uh, nine and one next Wednesday. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'll take that all day. Uh, and I wrote that paper about the the fast start. Holy camoli, I did not see this coming. <laughs> And there it is, by the way. Holy camoly. Yeah, there it is. Gotta have one. Gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Um, all right, man. Well, we will be back on Friday night talking about the Packers. That'll be there's gonna be some tough discussions had on Friday, but I do think after the Buffalo game, there's definitely some cause for optimism. So I think that's gonna be I think that's gonna be a good conversation. And I think when we talk, we're gonna talk about the trade deadline. So that's gonna happen on Friday night. But um I think we'll have some constructive conversations on Friday. So Looking forward to that. Bucks nice. are going to play tonight, so we're getting ready to watch that game. And then, um, yeah, Jake and I'll be back talking uh, Badger football and Bucks basketball next Wednesday. And Badger basketball, we'll have one Badger basketball game. So we're going to have a lot of stuff to cover, but I am excited for Friday's Friday's episode, man. Um, I think there's some some things that people can learn and take away from Friday's episode. So tune in. All righty. Well, I will see you Friday night then. All right, buddy. Take care. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. 
take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.